Bring it in, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the Read Option on a uh, rainy Thursday night. We're recording this coming to you live on a Friday morning. Hope you all had a wonderful week. Looking forward to the weekend. Uh, the NFC preview show we did earlier in the week was great. Had a lot of fun, a lot of interesting teams, a lot of quarterback discussion. Uh, and we're going to turn our attention now that we covered the NFC to the AFC, the other half of the NFL. And uh, to do it, I'm joined with the boys, Scotty, Vito. Uh, and we, we got a lot to get to today. A lot of traffic in our days, a lot of traveling <laughs> in our days, a bomb threat involved in my day. Um, Whoa. Yeah, I drove right by the cat. If, if you haven't heard, and, and by now, if you're listening to this, you probably have. Also, hi, guys. Say hello. I don't want to just jump into the story without letting you talk. Hi. What's up? What's up? Also, <laughs> it's sunny up here in Philly, but it was pretty. It's always sunny. Always sunny in Philadelphia. Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> it's a layup. It's a layup. Um, but yeah, so if you if you heard the news on Thursday, there was a bomb threat called into the Capitol that happened to coincide as I was driving by the Capitol. Um, I didn't know what was going on. There were cop cars everywhere and there were people being uh, escorted out of buildings. And I was very confused and kind of what the hell is going on. I get to work. My coworker says, hey, how was getting in? I said, it was a little hectic. There's something going on at the Capitol. And he goes, yeah, bomb threat. So that was my Thursday. Drove right by that. Everything's Just, uh, good now. Everyone's safe. Average luckily. day. Average Thursday in the nation's capital. It's crazy. I drove by the Pentagon a couple of weeks ago when there was a shooter an active shooter on the loose uh, drove by on the day of the insurrection. So, you know, like you said, just another day in our, in our nation's capital, but all of that pale, pales in comparison, right. To the NFL season. Uh, as I say, that slightly tongue in cheek, but boys, we, we got a lot of stuff. We're going to get, we're got a lot of stuff. We're going to get into uh, football. I believe 24 days away from the first NFL Sunday, which would make it three weeks to tonight when we're recording it. Uh, until that and the Thursday, Thursday game, the Thursday night game between the Cowboys and the Bucks. Ugh. But we're talking about the AFC because, for as interesting as the NFC is, the AFC is interesting, but in a very different way. Because I think there's a few clear cut teams at the top, and then how the rest of it kind of shakes out in between is going to be uh, a very uh, fascinating, frank, frankly, because at this point, it it's kind of anybody's match right now. And so we're going to start just like we did on, on Tuesday night. Um, we're going to go through each division in the AFC, and we're going to talk about the most interesting teams in each division. We're going to go down from most interesting to the least interesting. So we're starting with the North, the AFC North. That's your Steelers, your Browns, your Ravens, your Bengals. whole lot of stuff to get into with them. And we're going to start with the Cleveland Browns. All right, the Cleveland Browns. Ooh, come ooh, 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 ooh. Vito's new home in just a couple of weeks, Cleveland. Oh, I got a place there, man. I got a place. I, I moved in. I got couches coming, the whole deal. I got a kegerator, a couch, and a bed. That's all I have. That's all I need. You're going to be boots on the ground for us. You're our Cleveland Browns correspondent. I'm going uh, to the preseason game this Sunday. Shout out. There, there you go. Thanks, what a, thanks what to a way boy, to, George. What a way to ingratiate yourself into a new city. Go, go check out one of the coolest fan bases in the NFL, one that is starving for a championship. And that is where our burning question will be. And again, every team we go through, there's going to be one burning question. And for them, it's will the Cleveland Browns after having the best season in the last quarter century, will they crumble this year under the pressure 
or will they turn that pressure into a diamond and, and bring the city something that it hasn't had since Jim Brown was carrying the rock? What do you guys say? Uh, Toting the rock. Uh, Vita, I'll let you go first as a, yeah, as man. a Clevelander, Clevelandite, Clevelandian. What is it? Clevelander. Yeah. EST till I die. Uh, so here's the deal. Yes, they're going to have a diamond-like season, Jeff, to your point, because this team isn't built on flash. Um, even though they have Baker and great wide receivers, Landry, backup, like they have everything they need on offense, but the run game and the line and what they've done is just pretty amazing. Uh, they've built this team from the inside out, and if you can do that, I really think you have a good shot to continue to have success, especially in that division with the Steelers waning out. The Ravens are tough, but we'll talk about all of them. The Browns offensive line, their running backs, and the way their defense shaped up. They've made some key acquisitions. They have a lot of their younger, good players. Hopefully, will take a step. So I'm very, very high on the Browns. Maybe a little bias. I don't know. Shout out to also a fun fact. Every time I move to a new state, the team in that state goes to the Super Bowl. It's happened five times. I just moved to Cleveland. So uh pretty sure in that state, I wouldn't happen. bet on the Bengals to do that. I would, I would, I would definitely bet on the, on the Browns in that case. I, for me, it's the defense. I mean, their offense is going to be good. They've got one of the top five running backs in the league in Nick Chubb. Uh, their second is probably in the top 20 in, uh, in Kareem hunt. Uh, so excellent backfield to build on uh, their offensive line is stacked, but it's the defense for me. I, they picked up John Johnson from the from the Rams. They picked up Troy Hill from the Rams. Uh, they they've got Denzel Ward coming back, who missed a bunch of last year. They've got they drafted Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa uh, in the first round. They signed Jadavion Clowney on what is basically like a flyer, uh, and they got Grant Del Pete as like, like the second safety. They are deep on defense. I mean, deep. It's a deep V, a deep D. Uh, and, and I mean, they're stacked that I see no th thing that holds them back, uh, except the fact that they are in what I think is the second toughest division in football, uh, say for the NFC West and, uh, their schedule this year is, is tough. Most of the NFC or AFC North teams are, uh, actually all of them are in the, in the top 10 in terms of most, uh, uh, difficult, uh, strength of schedule. So. Um, those are the only things to me that hold them back, but I think they take this next step. The waste of fancies coach these guys up. I, I love what both of you guys said, because I'm going to, I agree with both. I, I think the offense is going to be spectacular. Uh, we're talking about the best offensive line in football. We're talking about a, a disgustingly dangerous duo in the background, in the backfield, uh, with, with Nick Chubb and Kareem hunt, you're getting Odell Beckham jr. Back that wide receiver room is great. Um, they have decent play at, at tight end. Uh, and then we've seen enough from Baker Mayfield to, I think, give you hope that he's going to be able to kind of get the job done, even if he's not the best quarterback in the NFL. And then you look on the defensive side of the ball and you hit it on the head, Scotty. Jadavian Clowney, Malik Jackson, Sheldon Richardson, and uh, Miles Garrett is a devastating defensive line. That's disgusting. Uh, they get Grant Delpit back, who was a, a first-round pick, who they missed all of last season with a torn Achilles kid out of LSU who should be a really, really good member of that secondary, kind of one of those tweener safety linebacker guys. They drafted Greg Newsom, 
uh, a cornerback out of Northwestern who should also be a really, really productive professional pro in, in the NFL. So when I look at the Cleveland Browns, what's not to like about them? And I go back to why I posed the question, because there's nothing about the roster that concerns you. It's the pressure of playing in a city with the fan base that they have, uh, with the kind of voodoo magic that seems to be surrounding this team and has surrounded this team for so long. And will they be able to overcome all of that? And my prediction is yes, I, I do think they'll overcome that. I, I really like Ke uh, Kevin Stefanski. I think the roster, obviously, like I said, is not a problem, but there's something about playing in these cities, Cleveland, Philadelphia, that, you know, New York, even to a certain extent, like these, these diehard Northeast uh, Midwest fan bases who are starred for a championship where if you're bad, you know about it, you hear about it. It's, it's everything is how terrible our team is. But if the team embraces it, it's like a superpower. You know, it, it's, it's like touching, it's like the fist from the Avengers. You know, it's like when, when you harness the power of that fan base, it takes you to another level because you're playing for something bigger than yourself, even bigger than your team. You're playing with the, the passion and love of an entire city behind it. And I think this Cleveland fan base has really embraced this team. So if they go at, get out to a hot start, you know, six and two, six and one, five and one, something like that. I think they're just going to carry the mojo all the way. And it'll be really interesting to see how Kevin Stefanski kind of manages all of that and only his second year as a head coach. So I am very high on the Browns. Um, in my head, though, I was thinking about, a you know, kind of a comp team for them. And they're kind of the AFC version of, of Washington, in my mind, the Washington football team, uh, you know, especially when you look at the defensive side of the ball. Both defenses are stacked, right? Both defenses are, are loaded. The same question for both of them is the linebacker spot, both of which are going to be reliant on rookie linebackers. So who ends up being a better linebacker might, you know, Jamin Davis, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, that might end up determining who is the, you know, number one, number two, number three defense in the NFL. They're, they're both going to be up there. On the offensive side of the ball, good offensive lines, production in the backfield, good wide receiving set. I still think the Browns are better uh, on both sides of the ball by a little bit. Um, but I, I was curious. Yeah. I, I was curious what you guys thought about that because the both are also working under our quarterback is not our strength. Well, I think it's a difference in our quarterback is not our strength because one's still on his come up and the other one's like, we're putting a bandaid on a year, you know? So that's where I think they differ. I think the Browns are more hopeful and there probably is more pressure to your point because of that, because it's still, hopeful looking forward Washington's hopeful looking forward to the defense they're looking for a quarterback but the Browns may have their guy and that's that's their point right is like this year is going to be big for Baker this year is going to be really big for like I think um on the offense you sometimes look at a skill position player here or there but Beckham Landry and Chubb are three elite talented players so I'm really excited to see how they go both in like fantasy production and popularity and in actual production in NFL, like how defenses play them. And that, I think, is where the key is going to be. If we can get a couple one-on-ones all over there, have Baker actually take advantage this year, have them all on the field a lot, that's going to make the difference. I, I don't know what you think, Scotty, but I think that this team is definitely like a, going to make a run this year. I'll put it that way. I, I think that they can. I think there's three things for me. One is <clears> – <throat> 
if they go into every game with the mindset of that Steelers game in the playoffs that they played, it's a wrap. Number one, I'd hate to be playing that team, especially with that defense. The tough part is, and I alluded to this uh, in my earlier point, was the schedule for them. They open with Kansas City on the road. So, okay. Um, but to me, their bye week is uh, their bye week is relatively late in the season. It's week 13. Um, so to me, if you get, I think the magic number is probably around eight. If you get to eight wins, eight and five, you're in good shape in that division because they're going to beat each other up. Um, and the the other point uh, that I had on the schedule is there's a huge, huge critical uh, area of importance on that schedule. It's in week uh, week 12, week 13, and week 14. Um Week 12, they play at Baltimore. 13, they have a bye. And week 14, they play Baltimore again. Uh, so two in a row. Uh, and then they go on the road and play Green Bay and Pittsburgh. That's the critical point of their schedule. If they can rip off eight wins in that first, uh, well, more than half prior to that their bye week and win two out of those four games, I mean, that, that's a good-looking good team right there. Um, so I would, I would argue in favor of them winning all of those or, uh, or close three, uh, the majority of them anyway. Um, I just think they're too talented and too well coached. Uh, and that was proven last year in the postseason of all places. So uh, I, I like the Browns. They're my division winner right now. Yeah, I, I am on the same kind of trajectory that you are, Scott. And, and I'll add this as well. When you look at what has Baker Mayfield thrived on as a quarterback? It's confidence, right? When Baker has his swagger, he is borderline Pro Bowl caliber, you know, quarterback. Like he was that way at Oklahoma. It's what essentially brought him to the precipice of a national championship. It's what brought him a Heisman. It's what brought him to be the number one overall pick in the draft. And a win like that in Cleveland to get the ghosts out to get the skeletons out of the closet to do a, you know, uh, what do they call that? When you, when you're somebody who's like taken over by the devil exorcism and exorcism, right? They exercise their demons by, by beating the bricks off of Pittsburgh last year. And I think that's not just huge in the sense of like in that moment, it's huge in the long run because this team isn't afraid of Pittsburgh. When they go to Heinz field, when they go to Baltimore, they're not going to be afraid of the team on the other side. They're not going to say, we can't do this. Or we have doubts at doing this. And if there's one guy you want to kind of lead with that irrational confidence, Baker Mayfield's high on that list. Yeah. And so you, I'm – go ahead. No, I was going to say, what do you have their, their win-loss at? That's exactly – we're on, on the same page, man. So that's exactly what I was going to be. I have them going 12-5. and five. I, th- I think – they will lose a couple games, couple of division games, because look, like as similar to what you guys said about the NFC East when we were talking about it earlier in the week, there is something about playing in the AFC North where you will just, there will inherently be a game. You go, how the hell did Pittsburgh win this game? Or how the hell did the Brown, you know what I mean? Like it's, there's something about this division. Uh, it's so cutthroat. It's so deeply rooted in passion. Uh, I think they'll lose a couple games. I don't know. I don't think they'll open up and beat Kansas City week one. They do have a tough schedule. Uh, but 12 and five and winning the division is where I have them. 
I actually have them at no. I, see, I have them at thirteen wins because, wow. and here's why. I think what well, a point Scott pointed out earlier comes back to help them. They have their schedule goes Ravens by week Ravens when Ravens goes Browns Steelers Browns like to play a team have a week off and then play them again. I can guarantee you that second one's a win. And especially if the Ravens have to play the Steelers in between, like that's a huge division win. And I think that's going to be the difference maker to take him to 13. That is one of the most excellent points I've ever heard. And I'm saying that because I wrote down that exact thing. I'm calling them <laughs> Cleveland, my division winner because they have a buy in between Baltimore games in that same three game stretch, Baltimore by Baltimore that Cleveland has Baltimore has Cleveland at Pittsburgh at Cleveland. And it's right after Thanksgiving. So uh, give me, give, give me advantage Cleveland in that three game stretch. And that's why I said it, that's the critical difference in, in the division. Give me Cleveland 12 and five is nailed right there. Jeff. 12 and five, same record. Well, Let's parlay this conversation since we're talking about the Ravens. Let's talk about the Ravens. Let's let's Hell talk yeah. about the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson going into year number four, which I, I can't believe this is year number four for, for Lamar Jackson already. Uh, the burning question for them, what is the missing piece for the Ravens and will they fix it? Because it seems like every year since Lamar has kind of taken over in the last three years, there's been something a little bit off with this team. Just either one position group, one coaching scheme, one thing. What is the one thing they're missing going into the 2021 season? And will they fix it? I think it's a legit one and a legit back. Um, a one wide receiver, that is. I know they have Hollywood Brown. Uh, they've got Sammy Watkins although he's been banged up in camp. They drafted Rashad Bateman. Nobody knows how they're going to use him. Odds are if I'm a betting man, and I am, on a lot of jet sweep stuff out of the backfield, things like that. He is hurt. Or decoys and spot routes. Yeah, he's hurt too. So uh, the, key, the key for me is a breakout year for J.K. Dobbins. Mm. Uh, if, if he has a breakout year, Lamar's the kind of guy that if, you, if he's pushed – he only excels to greater and greater heights. Um, and if you challenge him with a running game where your running back is the feature back and not Lamar, then Lamar can pick the ball up and go, Hey, I'm calling my number. Fuck you Dobbins. Uh, and everybody gets better because of it. Um, so I, it's, I really think that opening up the run game with somebody other than Lamar takes some of the pressure off, but also puts some pressure on Lamar to, to perform at, at a higher level. I actually, I'll, I'll take your point and invert it on you. Cause I think that you're right. That Dobbins is the key. And I think he's going to kill it. I really do. I'm so excited. Watch out in our fantasy draft because he's coming early off the board from me. And when I look at the receivers. They have Watkins, Brown. They have some guy. I, I still love Mark Andrews. I think he's one of the best at like, well, receiving he, tight ends. He, he left practice today in an ambulance. What? Yeah. Wait, a news update. What happened? Yeah, I missed Yeah, this. well, I, I don't know what. He collapsed on the field, and then uh, uh, he had an IV, and then all of a sudden there was an ambulance involved. I don't know. Oh, I have no further details on that. He was that, that hung over? <laughs> no, I, sorry. I don't want to make light of it. If it's serious, I just, I hope he's good. Um, 
damn. Uh, but the the point is, I think they have the weapons around Lamar. I think Dobbins getting better and the inverting the point on you. I think that'll let Lamar not have to worry as much and have as much on his shoulders. I don't think they've had a stable before and they have a few guys do well, but like he to have, I think what Dobbins can be in a top 15 back in the league this year, especially in terms of fantasy. I'm really excited to see what happens. Yeah. So update on Mark Andrews was dealing with dehydration and severe cramping. Ah, went to the hospital, get treated should be okay. Well, Um, that's good. Bananas eat bananas kids. Yeah. And mustard apparently. Apparently, like a big glob of mustard is a good way to deal with with cramps. Um, Dip your bananas in some mustard. Don't oh be cramps. Does Chick Fil A sauce there. count? Can I? Can I? Because oh. I'll do that. I've yeah, eaten yeah. some <laughs> gross stuff with Chick Fil A sauce. When I was in college one time and poor as hell, all I had in my fridge was bread, peanut butter, and Chick Fil A sauce. And yes, I made a sandwich with those three ingredients. And yes, it was better than you expect. Oh my god, I can't believe Classic. I tried that. Classic twenty-year-old move. Oh, I think I was, I think I was even 18, 19. Like I was, I was young in, in college at the time. Um, it was absolutely disgusting, but delicious at the same time, which is uh, a lot of college. It seems like, um, back to football, the biggest problem for the Ravens to me is that it never seems is the fact that this is the question. It's the fact that all of these pieces have never gelled. Right. I I love what they've done with Lamar and and trying to be the analytics darling of the NFL. I love that they've kind of gone down this route of saying, let's think outside of the box. Let's let's basically make, you know, Lamar our number one B running back, you know, or even number one A in a lot of times. Mm -hmm. But when you do that, it also sacrifices some things that you can do in more traditional offense Um, in years where their defense has been one of the top five in the NFL, the offense wasn't quite quite right. In years where the offense seemed to be a little bit better, like last year, the defense wasn't quite all the way there. And and my biggest concern from a roster perspective was that offensive line last year killed them. They signed Ronnie Staley to that massive contract to be their left tackle. And then the following weekend, he tears uh, tears up his entire ankle and he's still recovering from that. And we don't know when we're going to see him this year if we see him at all. Uh, from because it was like a devastating ankle injury. Uh, they went out and signed Andre Villanueva um, and, and not Andre, Andrejo Villanueva, the, the former Alejandro. Yeah, Alejandro, thank you. Yeah. Um, He's on those commercials for like uh, some kind of the military. Because, yeah, he served yeah, in the military. USAA or yeah, something. USAA. Um, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. He's like sponsored by USSA. Um, Pro Bowler, perennial Pro Bowler, Marshall Yonda left last year. Mm-hmm. And I said all season that that was the biggest loss in the NFL. Because if Marshall Yonda had stayed, we're talking about a, a very different season, I think, for, for Baltimore altogether, because Marshall Yonda was still relatively young, still probably had a couple more seasons left in him if he wanted to play. And so the fact that there always seems to be a kind of missing piece here or there kind of concerns me. I, I still have concerns with the fact that they've not been able to develop a consistent passing game so in order for them to really make it to the next level i think the defense is gonna be pretty good i don't think it's gonna be elite but i think it's gonna be pretty good top 15 top half uh what does rashad bateman do to the passing game and do we see a revamped mark andrews because mark andrews of two years ago was it starting to be in that group of travis kelsey george kittle darren Waller. the mark andrews we saw last year is more of that tj hawkinson 
Dallas Goddard, good, but not game-changing. And I think you need a kind of game-changing guy for that team. Um, The other question I have for you guys about the Ravens, and we talked about a little bit with Pete Carroll, has it gotten stale? He's been there a long time. He's got a, he's won a ton. He's a great leader. If he, and if he and Baltimore left, he would absolutely do the Andy Reid thing and join a new team and probably lead them to, to greatness. But even the best leaders of all time eventually start to fall on deaf ears, you know, despite the turnover, despite everything else. So it, what is the likelihood that part of this not quite perfect chemistry comes from the top in John Harbaugh, who I think we all agree is still a, a top 10 coach in football. Yeah, that hasn't even entered my mind, honestly. That's a good question, though, because Great point. The, yeah. stale, the staleness that you talk about is true. And they, it's talked about with Andy Reid. It's ta- famous coaches and great leaders. It all happens. And he is at the point of, I think, his age where you're right. He could start another run with another team and have another 10 year career with another program, like and build another say, program, like it's college, but you know what I mean? You have to <laughs> yeah. instill your own coaches and your philosophy. So I, I really, uh, I do believe that he has, he can go do that. I don't think it'll happen because of this, because of his special teams and really defensive focuses. And I think he, they're excelling in those categories, but head coach is responsible. For, and without a doubt, Lamar is one of the most talented guys in the NFL. So if, if they take a step back this season, I think it's a possibility. I have feelings about the Harbaugh's, uh, which are not great. <clears throat> um, I didn't like Jim, uh, Jim Harbaugh when he was the Niners coach, quite frankly. Um, I, I just think that they – he and his brother both, John, the head coach of the, of the Baltimore Ravens, try to adapt in a way that is forced, and, and then they go too far. And, and I think that's part of what – what has created this, this stale relationship is, is John recognizing that and being like, well, okay, we've got the analytics thing. We've got our guy. Um, I'm going to work on the, the special teams and, and the defense and focus on those and make those elite. Uh, and I'm going to trust, trust Lamar to, uh, to trust. go out and, and do his thing. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I, I get it. Like, if, if the play calling is uh, Lamar power right every time, like, yeah, that gets stale. If the play calling is uh, Lamar power right, um, 14 different uh, backfield motions. Uh, but, hey, uh, Lamar just threw a 50-yard touchdown to, uh, to Hollywood Brown when that was a designed run play. So uh, let's think about some adaptations that aren't like – off the rails, like sleeping in tree houses or something like his brother did. Yeah. And let's, let's focus on how we can make uh, the best of what we have on all in all three phases of the game. So I, I disagree with you in, in terms of lumping the hardballs in together. Cause I think John is, a, a, that's fine. I think, I think John is a far better coach than Jim. Harbaugh. Yeah, he is. He beat us in the super bowl. So, and, and that's, I mean, that's fine. Like, you know, like you have scars from it. I get it. Um, but, you know, Andy Reid also beat you in the Super Bowl and you're not, you know, you wouldn't say the same things about Andy Reid. Um, here's here's what I'll say in terms of this. I don't think John Harbaugh leaves after this year. I still think, I mean, unless they were really, really bad, which there's no evidence to suggest that they're going to be bad this year. But I, I look at, a, it was a quote from uh, Theo Epstein, 
who was the general manager of the Red Sox and they broke the curse general manager of the Cubs when he broke the, when broke the curse there in 2016. And now he's working for major league baseball. I think eventually he's probably going to be the next commissioner of the MLB. At least that's what's kind of presumed, right? As Scotty's holding his hands together, praying, please um, get rid of man. Awesome. I listened to an interview with him on the bill Simmons podcast. And he talked about, you know, the, he asked him, he's like, why, why is it that you have this philosophy of, of never staying somewhere too long? And to him, it was very like, just a matter of fact, it's like a, over time, there's only so much that you can put into it. And it's actually an old, like uh, Chinese, like philosophy where it's like leaders have a, a timetable. You know, you, you have a window where you can lead and eventually it just starts to fall on deaf ears. And I think John Harbaugh would be amazing anywhere else, but we're seeing with Ron Rivera, right? Ron Rivera does seven great years in Carolina. Now he's somehow resurrected one of the worst organizations in, in mm -hmm. all of sports with the Washington football team during all of the crap last year with Dan Snyder and the name change and everything else. And yet that team still won the division and damn near beat the Super Bowl champions. Uh, in, in the in the first round of the playoffs, so I I wouldn't be surprised. I mean I I, I would be surprised. I wouldn't be shocked. Does that make sense? I wouldn't yeah. be like jaw hitting the floor, but I would be like, oh wow, like all right, you know that kind of reaction. So, uh, however, I think the Ravens are going to be pretty good. I think Lamar alone. There's not a single player in the NFL on any side of the ball that that I think makes as much of a can carry the load on his own with the exception of maybe Mahomes, then Lamar Jackson, just because a broken play can turn into a 50-yard touchdown or a, a scramble or a lead run can be 80 yards to the house because Lamar is that special of a talent. I have the Ravens going 11-6, and six, finishing second in the division, uh, making the wild card, probably being the number one or number two wild card in the AFC. I have them one over at 12, but also second. You, in the you division. had the Browns at third. Wild card, yep. Uh, same boat. I agree. These are two teams that are going to make the playoffs, and I'm pretty excited to see um, the chance that they even might play each other, right, depending on how this ends up, like you did with Pittsburgh towards the end of the season last year where, uh, you know, they might be the four and five seeds or something like that. So uh, pretty interested to see how it ends up. I think you're right. Uh, I think there's three teams out of this. They're the second in that division um, behind Cleveland, again, because of that three-game stretch. Uh, I still got them at 12 and five. They got a Baltimore has a tough stretch at the, in the back quarter of the season there at Cleveland at Pittsburgh at Cleveland, green Bay at home. Uh, and then the last two weeks are the Rams and, and the, uh, the Steelers again. So uh, that's a tough stretch. And uh, when you're trying to make the playoffs, so <clears throat> get out of that alive and, and go play your division round game against a, or a wild card round game against a division opponent. All right. That is the Baltimore Ravens. We'll move now. Well, yins, yinzers oh, in uh, Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> Scotty's irrational hatred of the city of Pittsburgh will, will never be understood by me. Uh, the burning question about the Steelers, the Stillers, how can this team as currently constructed possibly be better than they were in 2020? They went 12 and four. They started off the season 11 and 0 and got absolutely smoked in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. How can this team with a 40 year old Ben Roethlisberger, 39, but you know, we round up yeah. 40 year old Ben Roethlisberger, you lose Bud Dupree, you lose half of your offensive line, including a potential future Hall of Famer in Marquise Pouncey. 
what leads you or any of us to believe that the Steelers could possibly be better in 2021 than they were in 2020? Uh, uh, age and, and playing well down the stretch. That's what it is. That's, all, that's it. And that's all. I, I do think there's something to be said. Like I'm not too worried about Ben being 39 and 40 because of, Listen, quarterbacks have gone on longer. He's had a lot more injuries than folks and is bigger and takes a lot more sacks than a lot of quarterbacks that last till they're 40, honestly. But uh, I do think he has what it takes. Marquise Pouncey retiring. I think it's a lock of a Hall of Famer, and that's going to be massive. Um, I agree with you there. Bud Dupree was one of my favorite defensive players last year. I thought he should have been up for defensive player of the year until he got hurt. I think he was better than TJ Watt when I was watching those games in my eyes. So... Um, I don't think they'll be better. I think they can win like, you know, 10, 11 games is kind of where I'm at, but I'm interested to see what you think, Jeff, but like they, they have potential for sure. And I think they might make the wild card spot, a wild card spot, but I think they will regress. So since Ben took over at quarterback, this is a fun stat. Since Ben took over in quarterback in 2004, he didn't play week one. He came in in week, uh, I think it was week four. After Tommy, no, Max. he came in week two and he went uh, 15 and one that season. It was right. Wild. Yeah. So, um, so his first week one was 2005. Uh, so since then, the Steelers are 10, five and one in week ones. Eight of those 10 wins are against teams that were, are below 500 in the previous season or in that particular season that the, the Steelers beat them in week one. Four of their five losses came from teams at or above 500 in the previous season. All of those went to the playoffs in that season that they beat the Steelers in week one. Three of those won the Super Bowl. And the one tie came against the Cleveland Browns in 2018. I was going to uh, say, I don't remember that tie. A week one tie? Yeah, yeah. I blacked out. I remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> tie so, bottle. Shout out tie bottle. Yeah, I, I can confirm ties. Shout out Nick and Luke. We know when ties are. <laughs> Man, and I remember came... the night, but you'll never forget that it happened. <laughs> That's right. That came that came the season after the Browns went 0 and 16 in 2017. So what does that tell you? It tells you that the Steelers they beat bad teams in week one and they lose to good ones. Uh, and they're playing the Buffalo Bills in week one, uh, by the way. So give me the Bills in the Super Bowl based on those numbers. But hey, uh... Uh, I'm, I'm telling you this. I don't know what they're, they're going to do. Najee Harris. I don't know what his impact is going to be. Um, I still think they're an offensive juggernaut with the wide receiver core. I mean, Juju is your probably second or third best option of wide receiver. Uh, you're probably in good shape, but uh, I, the health for, for guys like Ben and, and Najee Harris, frankly, the way that the, that's the Steelers, uh, will pound the rock with a good, uh, a good running back and the, the UC is going to get out of the backfield uh, in the passing game. So I, I don't know, it's going to be tough with a bad offensive line. Yeah. So when I, and all that is, is well said, Scott, um, I love the nugget about what they do in week one. Um, but here, you know, honestly, when I'm, when I'm looking at the team, you look at the roster, you go from top to bottom, there are very little improvements. They brought in Melvin Ingram, who I, I love that to try to replace Bud Dupree. But he also hasn't had a double-digit sack season since 2017. However, the biggest positive that you could make for Bud Dupree was how much better he made T.J. Watt. 
when TJ Watt was the defensive player of the year last year, wasn't he? Or did he finish second behind Donald? I think second, he second behind Donald. 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 But I it know, was very close. But it was leader. close. Yeah. Yeah. Led the league in sacks. Uh, obviously, I think Aaron Donald's a better player, but TJ Watt was unbelievable. That's right, because JJ even sent out like a tweet about it or whatever. Uh, you look at the wide receiving core. Juju Smith-Schuster as like a guy out of the slot. I like James Washington, Deontay Johnson, and Chase Claypool, who was a monster as a rookie. Mm. And we'll see what he does here in year two. Uh, I love Najee Harris. Anyone who listens to the pod knows I was extremely high on Najee Harris. And mm. talk about fantasy, the volume that he is going to get. Is yeah. going to, it, it's going to be out of this world. Like it's it honestly is going to be outrageous how many times he touches the ball. Yeah, and he's going RB10 right now. You have an experienced quarterback who's won two Super Bowls, who still can sling it. Remember, he threw 70 times in the playoff game that they lost against Cleveland. Now, granted, they were down 28 to nothing in the first quarter, but yeah. he still threw the ball 70 times, which at least gives you some hope after he'd gotten surgery on his elbow uh, the year before. However, with all that being said, the one thing that gives me the most amount of hope for the Steelers is the least appreciated head coach of this era, Mike Tomlin. Uh, Mike Tomlin can be a bit of a character sometimes, like a, almost like a caricature of what you expect a football guy, a football coach's guy, yeah. to kind of, you know, to kind of be. But it's impossible to argue there. You, you know, looking at Bill Cower now, who just got inducted in the Hall of Fame and, and like some of these older guys and like there is no oh, he took over Bill Cowher's team. There's none of that. Like, he has built and sustained excellence from the time he's gotten there. And that in and of itself is extremely difficult. Two and rings, for as, yeah. For as much as I want to be two more rings than the Niners. Oh, yeah. That was uncalled for. And one, oh, yeah. more, one more ring than the Broncos and Eagles. Um, no, no. Well, not in 25 years. We have three. Well, I said since, I mean, since, oh, since Tomlin's then. been there. Sorry, right? sorry. I'm just instantly uh, very excited in the fact that we have like the second most rings behind the Patriots in the last 25 years. Continue. That's interesting, actually. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Um, but this roster is just not going to be good. It's just not going to be good enough. And the likelihood that Ben gets hurt is out of this world. We're talking, if, if Tom Brady and his workout method is like on the one end, the Big Ben workout method is on the other. <laughs> Right. Like they are as far apart. Big Ben is the guy who like a lot of beer. Yeah. Sits, sits at the beer. And apparently yeah. he's kind of embraced being healthy and everything else. And he, but his whole career, he's always been the guy that just steps up and does it like that natural athlete who was good at everything. We all have a friend who's like that, who's just naturally athletic and good at like everything. And Ben's Thank just, you. he's always been, it's definitely not you, Scotty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ben has just, always been that guy and it's amazing that he's prolonged his career to this point and injuries have helped kind of ironically sustain the rest of his body i just don't see a path to the steelers possibly being better than last year where they went 12 and 4 and won the division and they're gonna have to play the toughest schedule uh according to the you know the way they set it up out of yeah. pittsburgh you know so i have the steelers going nine and eight if oh if ben stays healthy if Ben doesn't stay healthy, I have them going like six and 11. Wow. I'm going to take the over. Same. I got them at 11 and eight, third in the division. I, 11 I, and I think eight? They, yeah, I think they're that's talented nine, that's enough 19, to win. That's 19 games, Scotty. Not that uh, many games. 11 and seven. Uh, they're going to play 19 somehow. Watch. Uh, COVID-19 games. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the, 
on paper right now, Pittsburgh and Baltimore have the two toughest schedules to finish with 11 and 12 wins. is just a testament to how good those teams are. I think they're better than you think, Jeff. Um, but what the hell do I know? 11 and eight, third in the division. I'm 11 say, and nine, 11 and seven. <laughs> I'm going to say 10 and eight. Um, so over, but I, I think probably the seventh wild card spot. I think that last year they cut lightning in a bottle and just went on a tear. Uh, Ben's done that a few times in his career. Like we mentioned earlier on um, when he had that 15 game win streak or 14, I think he lost his first start technically. Uh, but anyway, crazy runs they've had um, with him from start of his rookie year till last year. So I, I think they could get on one, but I don't think it'll be that long lasting of 10, 11 games. I think maybe they have like a six or seven and O stretch or something pretty awesome that gets them into the playoffs. All right. That's the Steelers last team of the NFC North. The Cincinnati Bengals uh, had the number one overall pick last year, took Joe Burrow off of arguably the greatest college football team ever assembled. And this year with the fifth overall pick, they took Jamar Chase. And that is where our question, the burning question for the Bengals leads. By season's end, will we be saying that the Bengals made a mistake drafting Jamar Chase instead of Penesu? I wouldn't frame it that way. I think Jamar Chase is going to have a great year. I just think that their offensive line could be better. Well, they have been better the, the suited on drafting. either end. Yeah, well, they've been better suited, better off. I don't know. I've, I've had ACL injuries, um, not to the extent of Joe Burrows, mind you, but I've had ACL injuries and most of this recovery at the stage he's at is mental. Uh, so to see him looking tentative in camp, uh, to me just means that he doesn't have confidence. Well, he doesn't have confidence in himself to plant and throw physically, but I think there's a little bit of that confidence that the offensive line is not going to block as well. Uh, so that he's not getting hit all the time. I struggle with this a little bit because I, I think that they made the right choice. Um, and I think that he's going to have a great season. I'm more concerned about how the rest of the team performs. And if drafting a tackle, who's, a you know, will define, I, I believe like will be one of those defining members of a line that could last 10, 12, 13 years, right? Uh, when you draft a lineman in the top five, usually it works out. That's all I'm saying. And I think that, yes, they, they missed out on a great opportunity there. We'll see how this dynamic works. I do believe that there are more elite wide receivers that come around than elite left tackles. But hopefully if one of, if, Hopefully this dynamic duo gets back together and can actually go out and perform like they did in college. And if that happens, they don't have anything to worry about. Um, yeah. We'll see. I mean, you guys know how I felt about Jamar chase and you guys know how I felt about Penny Sewell. Arguably they were my two favorite players in the entire draft, you know, aside from quarterbacks. Like I, I loved both of them, but when I look at the team, you, you they had T Higgins and Tyler Boyd already, both of which have played really well last year. Uh, both of which, I think have high upside to be really productive NFL wide receivers and Auden Tate as your third option out of the slot was good. So I don't really, I didn't see the need for drafting Jamar chase outside of Joe Burrow wanted it. They wanted to reunite the two and Jamar chase is a stud, but if we get into week four 
week five, right? Like we're going through the season and Jamar Ch- and, and Joe Burrow is as timid as it seems that he has been. I mean, I've read three or four different articles talking about how bad he's looked at camp and he's still only what nine months removed from the ACL injury, which like that's like Adrian Peterson well, level. And I know that, you know, cause it was week 10, right. That he tore his ACL yeah. last year. So it's the and, mental MCL side of it and PCL and yeah, all of basically that. <laughs> everything in his fucking knee. And, and Scotty, you talked about it. And like, I get there are probably people listening being like Scott being the guy who's like, well, I tore my ACL, you know, and I was playing golf six months later. That's not what you're saying. What you're saying is that no. even once you recover, the trust in your knee is never going to quite be the same. And you have to be able to build up enough confidence doing things to kind of overcome that. And I think they missed a golden opportunity to say, Hey, Joe, you're safe. Yes. He's a rookie, but you're safe. Now with that being said, they did uh, sign um, Riley reef, who is a very really good tackle. Um, And they did spend a a first rounder on Jonah Williams in 2019, who has only played in 10 games since they drafted him, but was an uh, Alabama offensive tackle has the potential still, despite being kind of banged up, to be a legitimate starting left tackle in the NFL. So at that point, you're saying, let's let's bolster up our weapons. Let's make our, our franchise happy. And I get that. But I still think at year's end, if Joe Burrow doesn't look like Joe Burrow, that transition would go a lot smoother if he felt safe in the pocket. And I think Penny Sewell would have been the guy who's going to step in even in Detroit and do a great job immediately. I still love yeah. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is a stud. And the safety blanket of him will help. But there's still going to be a, a you know, a, a transition period for him moving to the NFL. So we'll, we'll see how it turns out. Um, I guess, I mean, there's not a whole lot else to talk about with this Bengals team because from a roster perspective, their offense could be good if Joe Mixon – stays healthy, but Joe Mixon's kind of a curse word in fantasy circles, right? Like it's like saying sure Voldemort, is. like you just don't even say Joe Mixon's name. Um, the defense made some improvements. Did you guys see today? Carl Lawson, who was the defensive end that they let walk. Um, and they instead signed Trey <coughs> Henderson. God bless you. Sorry. Thank you. Um, Carl Lawson tore his Achilles and he's done for the year. Um, oh gosh. No way of knowing that would happen. Um, but the Bengals do end up on the better side of that than obviously the Jets Inside who, just, training. who just gave him a, a $48 million contract. Um, I think the Bengals will be somewhat competitive, but it's all going to hinge on how Joe Burrow reacts from this injury. So I have the Bengals going six and 11 in the AFC North. Yeah, I'm five and 12. I just, I don't think there's enough talent on the defensive side, save for Larry Oak and Joby. Uh, to keep them in games and even as many weapons as they have, if Joe Mixon even has a career year, maybe bump that up to seven, eight wins, but I don't see much um, out of it. I don't think prove me wrong, Joe Burrow. He's not going to run. I don't think as much. And well, I don't think the team will let him run as much as he'd like to. Um, But I think they're at a a critical point uh, in their, in their process here. So uh We'll see. I don't think the schedule does them any favors. Like I said, all of the AFC North teams have are in the top 10 of most difficult schedules. So um, give me five and 12 and they'll get a good draft pick. Go get a, a nice uh, offensive lineman interior. 
I think you nailed it, Jeff. I think it's six wins, and I think it's because he's going to have a great year. It's going to be, like you said, timid maybe a little bit. There's going to be some struggles. They're still not a great team, right? I mean, they drafted yeah. first two years ago and, yeah. and got Burrow. And it's his sophomore year. It's very hard for a quarterback to have a better year or sophomore year, especially with an injury sprinkled in between there. So I'm going to go ahead and say six wins sounds good. And I think that's a good improvement. I think that shows a lot, and he's going to have a great season. Yeah but not put it all together. I think the arc of their season will look like the first half, the first third of the season, the first, you know, six games or so where there's going to be a lot of questions. And I think Joe Burrow is really going to struggle. And I think what's going to happen is he's going to end up turning it on by the end of the season and playing well. And it's going to give them hope going into 2022. That's my prediction for the season. All right. Quick break went long on the AFC North. I think undoubtedly they're the most interesting division uh, arguably in football. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to move next out east. Sorry, out west, if I could read yeah. my notes correctly. And we're going to talk about what's going east. on in the western half of the U.S. It's the gold rush, boys. We're heading out west. Hell yeah. What's the, uh, what, what's the old phrase that they used to use about God? manifest destiny? Yes. We're about to manifest some destiny right <laughs> here uh <laughs> we're gonna talk to afc west football all over uh, that destiny <laughs> as much as you might contest to this veto because i know we all know you're broncos fan um we have to start with kansas city chiefs uh Why? they are because they are <laughs> perennially now for three years uh arguably the best team in football uh, I think if you added up their resume over the last three years, it's pretty hard to compare it to anybody. Two, three AFC championships, two Super Bowl appearances, one Super Bowl win, and the only loss coming at the hands of the GOAT in Tom Brady. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, MVP, Super Bowl MVP, youngest to basically do everything that he's done <laughs> to this point <laughs> in the NFL, which is continuing to be absurd. But I was, I kind of caught myself because – in the off season, we, we talked a lot about, you know, the goat, right. You know, it's, it's the Tom Brady goat and the Super Bowl is like the, the, the goat versus the baby goat, you know, even when the Madden cover got released and it was Tom Brady and, and Patrick Mahomes on it, Madden just tweeted a picture of a goat and a picture of a baby goat. And that was all they tweeted out, you know, and people kind of got, you know, figured it out pretty quick. And I'm not here to say that Tom Bra uh, that Patrick Mahomes isn't as unbelievable as people make him out to be. I think he's even better in some circumstances. But I have thought that this whole idea of considering him one of the greatest of all time is still a bit premature. It's my, my Aaron Rodgers theory, which is that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, but the best quarterback of all time, the boat, to me, is still Aaron Rodgers, the best person to do it at that position. LeBron, MJ, same thing. The GOAT has to do with your legacy. MJ's legacy is untouchable. LeBron, the best basketball player I've ever seen. He does the most on a basketball court out of any player we've ever seen in the history of professional basketball. And so anointing Patrick Mahomes as a GOAT has always felt premature to me. And so for me, I need to see at least one or two more years of this becoming the norm, the usual around them. So I'll say it, if he has another one of these seasons this year and I'll, I'll pose it in form of a question as our burning question, is this the year that it is cemented that Patrick Mahomes doing what we've seen him do, which is practically unseen before 
is the quote unquote usual, that this is just what we can always expect out of Patrick Mahomes. I think so, the expectation is going to be different. I think the expectation we get to the end of the year is if they don't make the Super Bowl, it's a disappointment. Mm-hmm. And if they don't make the AFC championship, I bet you we hear about big players making moves. I, like, not like they're going to, but like Kansas City's interested in hearing something and like they're looking at this because I guarantee if that happens, it's probably an injury or something else going on. But I just, for some reason, just even Tom Brady won three and four. The year in between, they didn't make the playoffs. I mean, that's early. I was 2002. I'm talking about. Uh, but but when you look at these quarterbacks, they don't do it. Even ones who are great, besides Otto Graham, who went to the championship every year he played from the 40s and 50s, uh, the greatest quarterback of all time. But uh, if you look at Brady, even he had these dips, right? He had great seasons, but they didn't make the playoffs every year. They didn't go deep. And I think that's going to be the difference this year. I think that at the end of the year, there'll be AFC championship or maybe around before. And I think they get bumped, but if they do make it all the way, Jeff, to your point, and they make it to the Super Bowl, I think that's the usual enough for me where if he does this, like to that level makes three Super Bowls in a row, I'll be like, right, damn, like you're at that level. So this question is twofold for me. One is <clears throat> the simple answer is that the instant gratification society that we live in, Demands that as one is goat is leaving, another one is either already in front of us or is quickly on the way. The same thing happened in basketball with MJ and LeBron. Um, and even before that, MJ and, and like Kareem uh, or Larry Bird. Um, and so that's one. The other is uh, football, particularly, but most sports tend to measure uh, the goat by number of rings that you've got on. Uh, I think if Peyton Manning had won two more Super Bowls, we'd be having the same discussion about him. Um, stats, all the, the crazy things that he does, uh, that Mahomes does, are great. Um, but again, this is an age where rings matter. Um, Drew Brees, same thing. We'd be having this a similar conversation because he put up insane numbers, uh, probably will likely next be broken by Mahomes and maybe only Mahomes. Um, but he, he only has one ring. So prove to me that you can win that one ring. And then further, I think society is going to demand that you do it leading your team to that uh, rather than being on a team that, that, uh, that accomplishes that. So those are the two, two answers for me. I think, um, I think it has to be, measured in rings uh, so that we're consistent with, uh, with the rest of the, the goatology, I'll call it. <laughs> goatology. I wish I could have majored in that in college. Um, that is a, a great argument, Scott. And I think you're right in terms of perception, but to me, this, the question is, is more centered around the player and not the team. Because I think the widely the wide range respect for a guy like Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees comes in lieu of those championships, right? Only having one title to their name. You need at least one, and Mahomes already there. Now, if he never wins another Super Bowl again, will it feel like a disappointment? Probably. It probably will. But there will be a myriad of reasons as to why it's not Patrick Mahomes' fault. Because it won't be. 
if the Chiefs don't win another Super Bowl, it's going to be because the defense wasn't there, the offensive line wasn't there, the coaching staff was making dis- bad decisions, or the front office fucked up. Or even like injuries, something completely out of that's or, or injuries. Think, yeah. yeah, like injuries as well. Or just that the league is caught up to them and they're like everyone else is getting better. They're just so talented though, still. Like and and there are if you look at certain things, like I, I think Mahomes is someone who elevates everybody around him, right? Like he he makes Demarcus Robinson and McCole Hardman just as scary. I mean, he resurrected Sammy Watkins' career, and now Sammy Watkins is playing in Baltimore, someone we forgot to talk about in the last section that might help that Baltimore offense uh, kind of improve. I think undoubtedly, like there's not a doubt in my mind, which is what undoubtedly means, you fucking idiot, um, <laughs> that <laughs> Patrick Mahomes cements himself as this is his regular. Like, this is who he is. He will be this forever. Not, I mean, not forever. Eventually, his body will start to go down. He'll have to change. But that arm talent, like what we see Aaron Rodgers doing in year 13, 14, winning an MVP, like we're going to see Patrick Mahomes doing similar things despite not being the same exact player he was when he was younger. The arm talent, everything else, we've talked to death about it. But he will make everybody else around him better. The other aspect of this was the reason, the biggest reason I still believe that they lost the Super Bowl against the Bucs was missing both of his starting tackles. Didn't have Eric Fisher, killed him. They go out and they get Orlando Brown from Baltimore. Huge loss for Baltimore. They were able to get Kyle Long out of retirement, who still had plenty left in the tank, who is a little banged up right now. Uh, but is expected to be there within the first couple weeks of the season. And I think assimilating back for someone as, as experienced as Kyle Long with a year off to kind of for his body to recover, uh, I, I don't think will be overly difficult. Yes, they lose Sammy Watkins, but Demarcus Robinson was and, and how many times last year when we were doing the fantasy podcast did we talk about Demarcus Robinson and McCall Hardman being sleepers? Did, did I talk about them during our daily fantasy? you know, our, our weekly right. fantasy with, with, with mm-hmm. football, right? Like those are guys that were sleepers to put up big numbers in an arbitrary random role as a fourth or fifth option for Mahomes. He still has Travis Kelsey, who's put together the greatest five-year run of any tight end in NFL history, five consecutive years, over a thousand yards. He still has Tyreek Hill, arguably the most mm-hmm. dynamic wide receiver in all of football. And he's got an offensive line that is at least comparable to what they had last year. The defense I think is gonna, better. Yeah, the defense same. is like, going to be a whole nother. Great. The defense can be a whole nother question, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I don't even say I'm optimistic. I just, what I do you I, have them at. What do you think they're going to go? I have been going 14 and three. I think they have the best record in the NFL. Like I, until I don't see it, I'm not going to think that they're not going to win 13 games. You know, to me, they, they would have been 13 and three in a, in a 16 game season, but I'm going to give them the extra win because in doubt, like I, despite getting my ass handed to me in the Super Bowl last year in our bets and our picks, I'm never doubting Patrick Mahomes. I'm just, I'm not going to do it. There's, there's no evidence to suggest that we shouldn't because even when, and the Super Bowl is a great example of this, because even when he didn't have two starting right tackles. He still put off the greatest throw that never got caught in the history of fucking football. <laughs> he was, was parallel, parallel was to the beautiful. ground, parallel to the ground. And he threw it 45 yards and it's still, 
It went through the hands of Sammy Watkins. It should have been a touchdown. Or McCall, whoever the hell dropped it. So it was Hardman. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I have Matt. Where do you guys have Matt? I'm going to go one last win, but in that category, 13 and four. I, actually, you know what? No, I'm going to go 14, three, two. I'm going with it. You're right. When you have an extra game, you give it to Mahomes. You don't give it to his opponent. So I'm going to stick with 14 and three. Well, I will say 13 and four, just a to be different and B because that defense is not great. And they're playing a lot of good defenses. The first two games, they got Cleveland and Baltimore. Uh, they also have Buffalo and Washington back-to-back. Those are two good defenses. Um, and for that reason and that reason alone, uh, I'm, one of those games I think they're going to stumble. Uh, so give me 13 and four. Where did uh, Pat Mahomes go to college again? Texas Tech. Yeah, he's he's got a lot of experience of good offenses with bad defenses. I think, I think they're going to win a lot of games. I do. <laughs> I do. No, I'm saying um, those are good defenses they're playing. Yeah. No, I mean for himself, like yeah. being on a good offense with a bad defense. Um, ah. I have them, like I said, going 14 and three and winning the division. Next up, the next most interesting team in the division, the Los Angeles Chargers. And I've been making a conscious effort after doing so many quarterback centric questions in the uh, NFC, not to do too many here. And so I could, if I just wanted to follow that rule, say, oh, what does Brandon Staley look like as a first-time head coach? Which is a fair question, especially as young and borderline inexperienced as he is. But I'm going to go on about a quarterback because I need to know whether or not Justin Herbert's rookie year was a fluke or not. I need to know whether there is legitimate standing and staying power for Justin Herbert to be as electric as he was last year, because that's what he was as a rookie to, to shatter every record that any rookie quarterback has ever put up when uh, offensive rookie of the year in a class where he was projected to be the third best quarterback. I need to know if it's sustainable. I need to know if he can do it again. And from the buzz out of camp and from everything I've seen out of, out of Justin Herbert, I have the faith that I think we will. And I think he's going to be even better in 2021. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, yeah it said- sucks, but I, yeah, for <laughs> my Broncos, but he's going to, I think he's going to be really good for a long time. I don't think yeah. that was a fluke. I think we saw it on every play. It wasn't like he won because of his team. He was the best player on his team, arguably in his first season. And that's incredible to have happen. And everyone on the team recognized it. And I think everyone who watched him play knew like he's thrown the ball well consistently, even against the pressure. I think, Jeff, we had the stat last year that, like, in fantasy, he was one of the best quarterbacks under pressure, under mm-hmm. the blitz. And it's He was just, the num- number one in the NFL on third and long and under the blitz. Like, thank you. Being yeah, pressure. like, and, and as a rookie, come on. Like, you don't put that up. He's going to definitely keep growing, and I think he's going to make the next step, which is rare to do. Remember, if he goes – if he, like, has a less stellar year – uh, especially in terms of numbers, a lot of quarterbacks that are even great, like Hall of Famers, their second year, they take a step back. So just uh, look out for that. But I think he will be one of the few that takes a step up. Just like that Mahomes guy. Um, Herbert, that's a great stat. Herbert had the highest QBR uh, under pressure last year. And all they did was go out and bolster their offensive line with a top three uh, offensive lineman and Rashawn Slater. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that I can only make him better. Right. That's what logic would dictate. Um, I think 
I, I really think that a lot of Herbert's success will come down to the health of Keenan Allen um, and, and Austin Eckler, particularly, because um, those are guys that that have a big role in the passing game. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with those two guys health wise. But I, if you're looking for an elite quarterback um, to step up their game, and, and if you're looking for one in a fantasy league, I'd go get Justin Herbert. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I think Justin Herbert is uh, not trying to give too much of my fantasy draft uh, plans away here. Also, we have to figure oh, out. What, bring it what, on. I have to figure out what we're going to do here with our fantasy, like how much fantasy. Maybe we wait until after the draft to do our fantasy preview pod. But I also don't want to do it too late where drafts have passed because I don't want to give too much of my plan away to you guys as two other guys in the league. Um, but look, hmm. I, I, I do love Justin Herbert. I think he's an absolute stud i think there were strong i i said this multiple times i thought they had the best through the first three rounds i thought they had the best draft in the league um asante samuel jr on the back end i've already watched i've watched so many highlights of him from camp and i get it it's camp you take it all with a grain of salt but he's a dude he's i love i loved him in the draft i thought he was criminally underrated i think there's a legitimate chance he ends up being the second best corner a top two corner out of this draft, him and Patrick Sertan, who we'll get in a little bit, uh, or Patrick Sertan, the second we'll get to in a little bit. Um, but I love Asante Samuel Jr. And I love this whole team. And I, I also, I look at their wide receiver core. Keenan Allen, who has been perennially the most underappreciated, him and Mike Evans for a while were like the two most underappreciated receivers, I think, in the NFL. Mike Evans winning the Super Bowl last year, playing with Tom Brady, kind of elevated it. I think Keenan Allen is just like he's been a top seven wide receiver in the in the NFL for like six years in a row. Like people don't give this man respect. I don't know if it's because he plays for the Chargers. I don't know why, but he does not get the respect that he deserves. And I'm always going to be a Keenan Allen stand forever, even with the injuries and whatnot. Uh, Mike Williams. He's, he's a Sammy Watkins. He's one of these guys, uh, Corey Davis as well, high drafted wide receiver who shows the bursts of being incredible, but he looked, he had as good of a season as, as he's ever had in the NFL playing with Justin Herbert last year. And I think that only gets better. They have uh, Tyron Johnson, who was another guy who was kind of a sleeper last year. Great fantasy plug and play guy on, on certain weeks. Um, KJ Hill rookie. I expect a big year out of him with Ohio uh, coming out of Ohio state. So there are a lot of reasons to love this team. Yes, they lost Hunter Henry. Um, but then you look at the defensive side of the ball. Derwin James coming back after basically missing all of last year. That's going to help them tremendously. And then, you know, the, the Rams defense was good for a while under Wade Phillips. And then Brandon Staley took over. And that defense became the best defense in the NFL. He is Damn you. The, he is the, yes, he was an assistant coach at JMU when I was a freshman. Shout out to Brandon Staley. Um, he is, in my opinion, the Sean McVay of defense. He is that guy. He is the young guy who has, thinks about defense in a way that is so revolutionary and, and different in the way that he masks certain things. He doesn't just go from the classic defensive playbook. So I'm high on the Chargers this year. I'm very high on the Chargers this year, especially because I think Rashawn Slater, with even with the year of rest after opting out from COVID last year, I think Chargers, Justin Herbert, the offense, I think the defense is probably middle of the pack, like 15th, but I think the offense, if Austin Eckler stays healthy, to your point, Scott, 
I have them going 12 and five. Oh, no. I'm, I'm going lower. Um, it's a bold pick. I get it. It's a bold prediction on my part. It is. Some, sometimes it is. You got to be bold. You do. I, I think um, they'll have a great season and they'll, they'll go eight in, in nine. Eight and nine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just I, nine and eight. Like they're right there. They're, they're a 500 team, which you can't do anymore. So if, <laughs> if Eckler stays healthy, I, it, it could be higher. I plus or minus two or three, maybe. And then we're talking playoffs. Ah, no, nah, that's a little high. Maybe plus two at the most. Um, but they got Joe Lombardi as the offensive coordinator who made Kamara the focal point of that offense. Eckler has a lot of those similar skill sets as Kamara. I'm not saying he's as necessarily as talented as Alvin Kamara, but he has this, a similar skill set. Um, a lot of S's. Um, and so look for, for that to be a, a driving point of that offense. But I just – I don't see it. That defense is – I think worse than you might think, but I think that was part of the impetus to hire uh, Brandon Staley. So uh, they'll get better over time, but not this year. I, I got him at nine and eight. You hit the nail on the head with Joe Lombardi. In fact, Joe Lombardi, well, sorry, not Joe Lombardi. Austin Eckler was on Adam Schefter's podcast and said, they are essentially creating the offense so that Austin Eckler can be Alvin Kamara. And when you look at the skill sets, I get it's a lofty, it's a lofty comparison. But when you look at the skill sets, it's not that far off. And I think this team is, I think they're going to surprise people. And I think the Chargers, they went seven and nine last year without Austin Eckler. For them to go eight and nine this year is basically staying where they were. And I don't see any world in which they stay where they were last year. I think they get better this year. And I think, uh, I think we're talking about Brandon Staley as the next young hotshot head coach in the NFL. Uh, next up, we have the Las Vegas Rams. And my question for them, the Raiders? burning question, sorry, Las Vegas Raiders, too much Rams talk. Uh, <laughs> is this a make or break year for John Gruden, despite the 10 year contract? I think it might be, I'll save my actual answer until after you guys talk. I don't think it is because I think, especially Mark Davis and, and that family, like they're going to do what they want to do. And I think they believe in John. They had him before they went to a Super Bowl. They let him go. He beats them in the Super Bowl with the Bucks. Like it's just, it's one of those things that like he's always known that he gets his guy back. And I think he's gonna hold him for a while. I, I think he's serious about the 10-year contract, even through ups and downs. They probably just agree on a lot of philosophy, which is why they did it. But to your point, contracts can be broken all the time. But I, I think he's good for another couple of years, at least one or two more. Two more. Yeah. I, I think he's still getting his guys in there. I'm not sold that Derek Carr is uh, is Gruden's quarterback, no matter how much the uh, the QB guru wants to tell you that he is. I don't think he's any kind of quarterback, frankly. But uh, sometimes in Vegas, you got to know when to hold him and know when to fold him. Uh, so give him another couple of years, I think, to get all of his guys in. Um, I don't think Gruden's on the hot seat by any means. Uh, the, the, the Raiders are a stubborn tradition filled organization. So give them that credit. Yeah. So I, I'm with you both. I don't, I don't think it is an official make or break year, but I think it's the year that makes us start to ask that question. Um, there's a lot of stuff with this team, 
especially with what they did in the off season, there's some good. And then there's some, what the hell were you thinking? Whole lot of that. And if it works out, he's a genius. And if it doesn't, you know, we kind of see it. They signed Yannick Ngakwu. Uh, Max Crosby was a hell of a draft pick by them. Who's turned into a legitimate stud, loved him on uh, hard knocks. Then they go out and they sign Solomon Thomas, who was a top five pick. Scotty, you know him well. Uh, I do. If, if they can resurrect him from what was he third overall? Uh, yes. Yeah. He was a three to the Niners. Yeah. Yep. Third overall. Um, Only PA, by the way. Yeah, which, which you know, I like. Uh, I, I didn't love the Henry Ruggs signing, but, you know, there's certain things there. Uh, tr- locking down Trent Brown. Um, oh, sorry, after trading away Trent Brown, after uh, the Clellan Farrell pick at number four overall, drafting Alex Leatherwood this year in the first round way too early, signing Kenyon Drake, right? Like, there's so many things where it's like, I loved what you did here but what the hell were you thinking? Like, it's so extremes. It's like things I really, really liked and things I really, really couldn't stand. Uh, as, or maybe not couldn't stand, but just couldn't comprehend what the, the thought process and the decision-making was behind that. Um, I think- And who's their GM? It's the guy that used to Mike, announce Mike on Maya. NFL Network. Yeah, yeah Mike, Mike Maya. Maya. Yeah, because um, I remember watching him cover the draft all the time when he went there and then he made some draft moves. You're right. And you're like, wait, what? Like, and, and the crazy thing is, is that with all of this going on, it's the looming question that Scotty, you just brought up of, they still have Derek Carr as their quarterback. Yeah. And it's, it's Why? Like, that, like, that should be the, the, that should be the burning question. That should be the thing we're talking about. Why is Derek Carr still the quarterback? And yet it's in not. the NFL. <laughs> and yet it's not because of all of these other great decisions and also controversial decisions and either it works and we see Derek Carr like take a, a step that yet we haven't seen going into what year number eight year number seven yeah I think for, it, yeah for, it's six, seven or seven, eight, eight something like that for Derek Carr because I remember last year people talking about like joking like the year seven bump you know it's like ah oh, it's the year <laughs> seven bump as if like oh. you know and, and I just I don't see how this team again as currently constructed is going to be any better like the player I like the most on their roster is Josh Jacobs, but then you go out and you sign Kenyon Drake to a, a relatively, it's two years, $11 million. That's pretty good. But you have Josh Jacobs. Like what, what are you yeah. doing? And then even still, they had other running backs last year who filled in pretty nicely. So I just, I don't see it. I, I think this is a year that things go poorly for the uh, Raiders. Cause last year we were talking, I mean, that offense was great last year top 10 offense in the NFL last year, but I just, I don't see how it. much of that was Waller though. I mean, well, well, not only Waller, but the line, the offensive line was so good. And they sold and they off a lot of those of pieces. Yeah. yeah. And, and honestly, to your point, I should rephrase Darren Waller is my favorite player on this roster. Uh, Josh Jacobs is second. <laughs> Cause I do. I love Darren Waller, uh, and he got paid deservedly. So, but eventually the cap comes into certain things. I don't know. I have the Ra- uh, Raiders going five and uh, Oh my God. I fell into the trap. I have them going five and 12, five and 12. Uh, I have them finishing last in the division. And I think by this time next year, we're talking about this being is John Gruden. Is this the last year? Cause he kind of stretched out their car and we always know that John Gruden loves his quarterback. So maybe they trade up and they try to draft a top quarterback next year. And then that's going to get them through the last five years of this 10 year contract. But I have a lot of concerns about this Raiders football team. I think that's exactly how it goes. Um, I actually think they have four wins. And I think you're right. I think at some point 
they're they're trying guys out and they're losing games and then they end up having a pretty high draft pick and finding their guy. Yeah, this defense is so bad. Like so bad. And the offensive line is depleted and and jettisoned. I I have most sports books I've seen have them uh, an over under of 7. I don't see it with the schedule they got. They got the AFC North, they've got the NFC East. Um, all of whom have better offenses, I think, than than the uh, the defense of of the uh, of the Raiders five and twelve, and that's really generous. I mean, yeah, I would just tank and go get your quarterback. <laughs> and and I know it's I know it's far out, but my hunch as of right now is if let's just say we're right and they go four and four and thirteen or five and twelve or whatever, mm-hmm. I think John Gruden becomes enamored with Malik Willis quarterback out of liberty who i love I, this take let's get some fucking hot takes in here jeff i love it we're naming not only is car out we've got the guy who's coming in next year i'm in love with this like liberty this i'm watching we gotta watch all season we're definitely gonna be reporting on liberty now malik willis i'm telling you now by season's end we'll be in the conversation for a top five pick the dude is absolutely electric and i pray he doesn't end up in las vegas for his sake because i want to see the kid do really really well um god i hope i said his name right although i hope i have the yeah i, I think it's malik willis because if i'm wrong i, I like, like this real, guy willis man i feel like a what. real jack yes all right i'm right Woo! got the name right didn't need didn't even need scotty to save me on that one um all right last team of the afc west the denver broncos your denver broncos veto so like not last but yes Last I to go. I have them finishing third in the division. Um, there we go. But last on our list here of going through, I will number one in our hearts. I will poise my question, and then I will let you answer, and then you will get an open floor, just like Scotty did, just like I did. Is the quarterback of the future currently on the Denver Broncos roster? Yes, it's Drew Locke. This is going to be the year he takes a step up. This offense is, how can he not? The weapons around him are absolutely elite. We've gotten much better on the line. I loved the Lloyd Cushenberry, the third draft pick at center. It's going to make a big difference. We also have arguably the best weapons, arguably the best weapons in the NF or in the, in the whole NFL, I would say AFC for sure. I mean, obviously with Mahomes and, and what he has, but the depth we're talking about Noah fan, at least at athletically elite Cortland Sutton's back. Everyone saw what like I'll say this. Everybody saw things out of the rest of them. Obviously Tim Patrick, right? Like that was great. Um, but Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler show that they are difference makers and I cannot wait to see all of these guys in the field together. Drew Locke, I think, is going to have a major step up. I'm very, very, very excited about this offense. I think this is easily a top 10 offense in the NFL. I think, and I said this before, I actually think that this offense will rank better than this defense by the end of the year. He did say, he said that but when we were talking before the show. He, he did say he thought the offense would rank higher than the defense, which... That's certainly, I'll bet you that's guys certainly a, a take. Hey, I'll bet you guys a shot. You want to bet a shot? Yeah. How, how, how about we bet a round of golf? Okay. Round of golf. <laughs> I'll do it. Oh, your boy's playing free six months from now. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> you guys will both owe me one though. Now I that's, just have to take you two. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I'll still take that. Yeah. Now I, I'll say this. 
the defense God. is going to be awesome. And so me, me planting my flag in that opinion is not necessarily representative of the offense. Cause I agree with you. I think the skill positions are, are there. Uh, I, I think Jerry Judy needs to take a huge step. KJ Hamler needs to prove that he can be that kind of speed side of the slot that we can see. I've been the biggest Cortland Sutton fan forever. I draft. I mean, if, if Cortland Sutton doesn't tear his ACL before last season, I win our fantasy league last year. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I just, you know, the expression, right. When you have, when you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one, you know, like to me, battle boys, you can, you can start drew lock and you'll probably get maybe a little bit better than what you've gotten. Or you can start Teddy Bridgewater in which we know even the highest end of Teddy Bridgewater is a, is a solid quarterback. I saw, I read an NFL NFL.com uh, article earlier kind of drawing comparisons to the uh, Mitchell Trubisky, Nick Foles deal from last year, which is that you're still kind of holding out, out hope for this quarterback, but you also brought in this veteran and it's kind of in between and both are probably going to start games throughout the season. And yeah, the bears still made the playoffs last year. But, you know, they got bounced in the first round to get to against the Saints. So I don't personally think the quarterback of the future is on this team because I think the quarterback of the future is currently playing in Green Bay. And I think Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of the future, at least in the near future. And so oh, don't don't even don't even say those three words to me, so, Jeff. Why so, would you do that? So, Scotty, I'm going to give you your time, I promise. But I, I do have to ask Vito this question. You can just say yes or no. and We'll get to Scotty's thoughts. Would you rather go through this year and not have a definitive feeling on Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater? And let's say you guys go seven and 10. Or, and ultimately get Aaron Rodgers next offseason. Or get enough hope that you think Drew Locke is your quarterback in the future. God damn it. I would rather have Drew Lock be the quarterback of the future. I would rather go get Aaron Rodgers right now. I don't know why we don't have Aaron Rodgers on this team. Like, honestly, I, I love I, – I do think Drew Lock is going to take a step up. But I even said this during the draft. I don't know why we didn't draft Justin Fields. I, I love Patrick Sertan the second. He's obviously already shown pick six. Guys, he's looking elite. This defense, we didn't even talk about the safety combo, the best safety duo in Madden, so you know it's real. And, like, as you're going through – this defense, there's elite playmakers on every level, but I think this offense will take a step up. Yes, I'd rather have Aaron Rodgers, but I, I do think that Drew Locke will take a step up, and this overall team is going to absolutely take off. All right, Scotty. Yeah. <laughs> I went through that a similar debate, um, you know, early in this Aaron Rodgers process before we drafted Trey Lance. Uh, where I was like, would you rather have hope that Jimmy G is going to be good for the next couple of years or have Aaron Rodgers now? And I was like, give me Aaron Rodgers right now. Um, but uh, in any case, I, I, you know, playing the long game, I think you got to figure out what that is, even if it's, even if it's not the right thing, whether it's uh, Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, or both not being the right thing. Um, and now's the time to do it when you have, a, a core of three young receivers, the likes of, of Sutton, Judy, and, and KJ. Mm-hmm. Um, no fan. I think don't sleep on him, man. Don't sleep on him. I, I picked him high last year and he broke every bone in his body and screwed me over. Anyway, um, the, the defense is going to keep you guys on a lot of ball games, a lot of ball games. I, that's, 
to me is an elite defense. And then the last note I have is uh, on the personnel is that we just talked about a make or break year in Oakland or sorry, in uh, Vegas for, uh, for John Gruden. It seems to me like a make or break year for Fangio. They got all this stuff. Everyone's healthy. Um, great assets on the offense. Uh, what I think is going to be an elite defense. Uh, can Fangio coach these guys up and get, get them playing at a level that is acceptable uh, to Denver Broncos fans and franchise. And if not, then maybe you move on from Fangs. Last two things here on the Broncos. And I, I agree with your, your uh, Vic Fangio point there, Scotty, because I think the biggest asset of this team, of that defense, despite getting Von Miller back, Bradley Chubb, that secondary, which I think could be the best secondary in football, is the fact that it's being run by arguably the best defensive mind in the game, in Vic Fangio. Mm-hmm. Last thing I'm going to say here on the Broncos before I get my win, win uh, totals. I do like Noah Fant, but the running backs are what I'm most excited about. Melvin Gordon showed that he still has a lot left in the tank. This is not Todd Gurley going to Atlanta. All right, mm-hmm. this is Melvin Gordon is, is still a premier, and I was wrong about him last year. I, he was a do not touch for me in fantasy football last year. Now, granted, the day of our draft also happened to be the day after he got busted for, uh, what was it, marijuana possession in his in his car, and then eventually that all got thrown out. Um, That'll happen. But Javante Williams was one of my favorite players in the draft. Uh, I actually like him better than I like Travis Etienne, and we'll get to the Jaguars in a little bit. But I think that backfield is going to be something to uh, be trifled with. Uh, I have the Broncos going 7-10. and 10. I'm going seven and 10. I think they give you enough. And I think next year they realize they don't have a quarterback and they will find their long, either short-term in Aaron Rodgers or long-term option in the draft veto over or under the seven and 10. I mean, obviously over, obviously (laughs) over. I don't know if we're watching the same fucking teams or not. I mean, this is ridiculous. I I mean, this is, we are, but just through different lenses. Clearly. I mean, this is an 11 win team. This is an 11 to 12 win team that makes the playoffs in a wild card spot. I will, I I'll bet you guys money right now. I'm very, very excited about how good. Let's, we're set, the, be. let's set the market at double digits. That's right. the bet uh, over. Right. If they get double digit wins, Scotty and I buy you around a golf. If they have less than double digit wins, you buy us around a golf. Whoa, so now I have four golf games bet in about 10 minutes. No, 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 no. That will be the that will be the bet. That will be the bet. I like that. that. Will be the the other bet. one will be a shot. The other one will be a shot. There we go. Scotty. Uh, the schedule is not great. Um, they got a bunch of tough games at the front half of the year. The back half is a little favorable, especially if you're a fantasy owner of any of the uh, offensive players on the Broncos. They got the Steelers, the Ravens, all that stuff in the front half. If they fuck around and win one of those games, you know, we might be talking playoffs, but I got them at nine and eight. Um, so, again, if they win one of those big games in the uh, in the beginning of the year, um, we could be talking playoffs and double digits, and we'll have to pay for Vito's golf. But, uh, yep. yeah, I don't think so. I think nine and eight is where they're going to land. They're going to be frisky. They're going to be frisky. They're going to win some games they're not supposed to, and they're going to lose a lot of games that they probably should uh, should have been more competitive in. Uh, all right, that is the AFC West. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to run through the AFC East and the AFC South a little bit quicker because there's less to talk about with those ones. I felt those two divisions were, were the two premier divisions here in the AFC. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back, and we're going to tackle the AFC East.
All right, y'all. It's time to get wicked smart up in here. The AFC East, <laughs> still the weirdest division in terms of layout. I don't know how Miami, who's the southernmost team in football, ends up in the AFC East. Yeah, I mean, I guess they are pretty far east. Still doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me, uh, just based off of where the other three teams are located, but might give them advantage. Who knows? Um, very fascinating division because last year was the dawn of a new era, right? And there's this excitement of post-Tom Brady, and now we're all kind of sitting here. And, and I always I was like to zone in on like the second year, right? It's like year one, a lot of things change. Right, well, what does the year after that look like? Because you're, we're all like overwhelmed with the like, oh my God, it's the first time since, you know, 2008 or whatever that a team other than the Pats won the NFC, the AFC East, you know, like anytime that happens in sports, when you have a, such a long-term consistent and then it changes and everyone gets kind of overly excited about that first year. But then that second year is kind of like, all right, well, are we going to see more of the same? are the Buffalo Bills going to go 13 and three again, you know, or at least win 13 games again, you know, and, and that is always such a, a fascinating dynamic for me. Um, and we're going to start with the Buffalo Bills because the Buffalo Bills came off of an unbelievable year last year, uh, played in the AFC championship game, beat a good Cleveland team, beat a great Tennessee team and uh, eventually lost to the Kansas city chiefs, which there is, there is no shame in losing to the chiefs. And that's where my question is for them. And it's very simple. Can the Buffalo Bills beat Kansas City? Man, I think they can, but yeah, I, I think they definitely have the power to. And, and that offense is great. I'm excited to see Josh Allen in another year of this offense. And I'm, I'm ecstatic for what we're going to see Diggs do. I think he's going to have another great year. I mean, he was, I think, number one in receptions at the end. He definitely led the NFL for so long. Led it in receiving yards. Yeah. I mean, it was yard. Okay. Number yeah. one so in he, receiving yards. He crushed it last year, and I'm excited to see if he can sustain even a top five season. I think that's my player to watch with the Bills. Um, and I'm excited for Josh Allen. Excited for some of the defensive changes. I saw, like, I think a couple of days ago that Luke Keekley was up there. Looking at that, like, Working, yeah, he was there yeah. with uh, Sean McVay. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, so anyway, I, I think that that Dermot? team definitely has a uh, uh, god, damn. you know, a big, big upside. And I can't wait to see what they do. And I hope, I honestly hope they meet the Chiefs again in the playoffs. Well, they meet week five too. So, uh, there you at are. Arrowhead. So, there you go. That's Sunday night football, Sunday, October 10th. Um, man. It, they're an elite defense that got better <clears throat> and the whole team great got better they added emmanuel sanders in the wide receiver core uh him stefan Diggs, and cole beasley talk about speeding your wide receivers um the big question mark and it's been for a couple of years is the running back position um i don't see any advanced progression that you're going to get out of making Devin Singletary the premier back. Uh, he's shown me nothing. Um, really? I think he's got some skills that could potentially make him a better back, but not near the level that, that that offense needs, but they don't really need that out of the running back. Cause they got legs out of Josh Allen and they let him sling the ball 50, 60 times a game. So, um, my, my only concern with the 
the running back not being a factor is usually in year two, and we've seen this before, is that great defenses tend to figure out those great offenses. Uh, and having a, a middling O-line won't help Josh Allen get the ball out any quicker or what have you, although he's still one of the fastest in the game right now. But um, it just that's my one worry, is that, that teams will have started to figure out McDermott's offense and and uh, and jo- how Josh Allen plays and makes reads and, and all that good stuff that that defenses cue on that that take a, a what looks like an elite team and makes them look like um, a middle of the road. I, I I I I like a lot of what both of you guys said. Um, obviously, the roster is great. Uh, the offensive line is great. The receiving core, Stephon Diggs, Emmanuel Samuels, Sanders, and Cole Beasley. You add Gabe Davis and Isaiah McKenzie in there. You have a legitimate, you know, five wide receivers who you trust, uh, who you're not afraid to throw the ball to in big pressure games. Uh, tight end, Dawson Knox, Jacob Hollister. Neither of them are great, but both of them are absolutely serviceable. And I think Dawson Knox has shown some flashes of being really good. The fact that Brian Dabble stayed and decided to turn down head coaching interviews and opportunities to come back to Buffalo is very telling about what they've built in Buffalo. Anytime you can get a coordinator to stay at any level, college or pro, it speaks volumes as to what this team has. And I look on the defensive side of the ball. I think they have arguably the best linebacking core in the NFL, Matt Milano, Tremaine Edwards, uh, AJ Klein is pretty good. Terrell Dodson's shown signs of being great. Um, they draft Greg Rousseau first round. Yeah. A guy with huge upside as a premier pass rusher Ed Oliver took a huge step. Uh, I'm always mess up this guy's names, but star Lota Lata Lule. It's it, he's a Samoan it. gentleman yeah. um, played great. Mario Addison has good. They also drafted AJ Epinesa in 2020. Uh, who had a, a slightly underwhelming um, rookie year, but what they do have at the defensive line is depth. And I look at this roster and Josh Allen being a budding superstar, and it frankly reminds me of the 2017-18 Eagles. Um, I'm not so worried about the running back room because they have Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, and Matt Breida coming from Miami. That's three solid running backs. So you trust any of them with the ball in their hand. Are any of them going to be elite bell cow running backs, guys you want in fantasy? No, probably not. Maybe in a flex spot here or there. But what you will get out of them is production and consistent production and depth. I think the Bills are gearing up for a Super Bowl run. I, I think the Bills are are the next team to be the, it's been 40 years since this team's won a championship. You know, I think the bills are gearing up for a season like this, but to me, it's all going to come down to is Josh Allen able to replicate what he did last year? Because I think so many people have it just penciled in that Josh Allen is going to be as good in 2021 as he was in 2020. And I think what they're doing is a disservice because they're vastly undervaluing what he did last year and how uniquely special it was. I mean, throwing for 4,500 yards, running for eight rushing touchdowns, being such a dominant figure and being in the MVP race. None of us were expecting that. We all know the talents there with Josh. Vito was. I, I don't know. Josh, I did call it. 
Josh Allen is great. And Vito, you, you called it. But replicating that, I think, is a lot more difficult than people think it is. And my belief is that he will replicate it to some degree. He may not reach some of the same numbers, some of the same pinnacles as he's reached in 2020. But I do think this team is gearing up for a significant run. And I do think they can beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And I do think they have a legitimate shot at winning the Super Bowl in 2021. I have the Buffalo Bills going 14-3, and matching the Kansas City Chiefs, winning one more game than they did last year. And I think Buffalo... My preseason prediction is I think Uh, Buffalo makes it to the Super Bowl. Wow. So so they have the one seed. Is that what you're saying? Basically on on this side? It would depend on how the matchups and everything works out. Week five, yeah. Well, they play each other. They play each other. So whoever wins in week five will end up with the one seed. But I I love that take. I believe in Josh Allen. There's something about the way that certain teams are constructed. And again, it'll it'll require Stephon Diggs to stay healthy, who's already banged up in camp. It'll it'll take Cole Beasley, you know, if he didn't create enough bad juju with his anti-mask and anti-vax whole fucking stance, which he just looked dumb as a brick in in saying. Um, but I think this team is built for a legitimate run. They have young pass rushers, you know. Again, like that's why I say like they remind me of the 2017 2018 Eagles. I, I just I, I believe in this team. I believe in returning Brian Dabble. The same thing happened with Frank Reich. Frank Reich decided to stay with the Eagles for 2017, despite having interviews for head coaching jobs. And then he left after they won the Super Bowl. I just, I, I, Sean McDermott is one of the best defensive minds in football. Brian Dabble is one of the best offensive minds in football. And they have a young, deep roster. I like the Buffalo Bills from 14 and three. Where do you guys have them? I got them at 13 and four. 13 and four. Uh, their schedule is a lot tougher than um, maybe we think, although the talent level on that team might say otherwise. But we're going to find out really quickly what kind of team they are against great teams. In their first six games, they played the Steelers, the Dolphins, who I think are going to be a playoff team. We'll get there. Um, they play a Washington football team. They play at Kansas City and at Tennessee are five of their first six games before they hit the bye. Down the rest of the lineup, uh, the rest of the schedule, they got to play at New Orleans. They got to play at Tampa Bay. They got to play at New England, who's going to be a tough out in uh, in late December, I think. Uh, so that's a tough schedule. I think 13 and four, uh, that's a serviceable season um, with Hell the schedule the that they've got. Yeah, that's, that's an amazing season, but I'm going to go even better. 15 and two. First team to really take advantage of the new schedule. They're the number one seed in the AFC outright. Wow. Let's go, Josh Allen. I feel like I just kind of I, I pulled you into that veto. I feel like you were like, eh, they're going to be good. And then you heard me gas them up a little bit. And you're like, no, fuck it, I'm in. And I'm bought in. I forgot how much I love my boy Josh. I have a Bills jersey. You do. <laughs> you have a Buffalo Bills jersey. Um, All right. Pagula. <laughs> that is Buffalo. Up next, the Miami Dolphins. My question surrounding the Miami Dolphins, it's a little bit, you know, easy pickings, but I think it's it's the ultimate decision which, or the ultimate question about this team, which is that was drafting Tua the right decision? Is he healthy? And eventually, is he who we all thought he could be? Remember, tanking for Tua was a thing. We were talking about teams tanking for a generational-type quarterback. Is he all 
who we thought he was. Go back to the old uh, Cardinals coach, right? You know, the Bears were who we thought they were. And we let him off. And the we let him off Dennis the Green. Dennis Green. Love that. Yeah. Dennis Green. Scotty again, just with the absolute killer with the names. Um, is Tua who we thought he was? I don't yeah, think, I think so. I don't think he I, is. Why? I would say this. Um, because we were already talking about him and saying, let's look at the other, who were the other quarterbacks that were drafted in his class? Joe was, Burrow. Was he? It was him and Herbert. Him, Herbert, yeah. and Burrow. That's right. So uh, Herbert's already in my comparison, like he's already better than Tua, at least for me. And I love Tua. I'm a huge Tua fan. But I don't think, like, Jeff's right. We're talking about a guy who everyone thought would be what everyone thinks Trevor Lawrence is this year. Like there, there are just levels of people who believe in this guy. And I just don't think he turned out to be that way. Now that's not to say he can have a great career. I think he's going to like, he can have a long career. I just don't think he's a generational type quarterback. No, I'd agree with that. But I, what the dolphins have done to put pieces around Tua, um, the way they built up that defense, which is elite. I think it's going to be top 10 uh, in the league. As it was last year, um, they picked up Will Fuller, who's suspended for a game. They've got a great running back core. Devontae Parker, uh, Preston Williams, who was hurt most of last year, back in the mix. And then they go out and draft Jalen Waddell, uh, a guy who played with Tua at Alabama. So putting those pieces around, and let's not forget uh, the one of the greatest Penn State tight ends I've ever seen, Mike Kosicki. But putting those guys around Tua is what makes it worthwhile what herbert has right now i would argue at least on the defensive side of the ball not anywhere near uh the team that that miami has put around to i agree i i the the, the defensive roster is not going to be as good as uh or is going to be better than it is in la but i i'm very torn with tua because that should be the new phrase torn with tua um the injury he sustained, there are two professional athletes in the history of, of pro sports who have had uh, the injury that Tua has had to him and Bo Jackson and have ever been able to come back and, and still play. So the expectations we had for Tua that were built so high became completely unrealistic the second that play happened. Uh, I think it was against Mississippi State when he was at Alabama. But I still still did not love what I saw out of two of the quarterback last year. And from what I've seen in preseason, I don't love it. I don't love the arm strength. The things that we loved about Tua were the layering and the decision-making and all this stuff. And everyone comparing him thing left-handed drew Brees and all these, all these things we said about Tua. I'm not seeing it. I, I'm really not. And it's going to take some time. I think he's better this year than he was last year. I think Jalen Waddle will help. I think Will Fuller will help. But I, don't, I do too. I just don't. I don't see it. I don't. I don't see it from Tua. That's where I'm at. Like watching him, it's just not there. I can say at this point, like I think he needs to be a really good quarterback. But there are guys who have the potential, and they hold it for a season or two. And even guys who were like RG three was off to a superstar potential, got injured and went downhill. We've seen this before. I just think that he is a guy when you watch him. In my eyes. I know he does. Like, I just don't think he has it. That elite level, 
I, yeah. I, I just don't. Look, I hope he's, I hope I'm wrong. Like, I hope, he, I hope he finds it. Like, I, I root for Tua. I, I genuinely really love the guy. And I think what he did in college is, is unbelievable. Um, I love Miles Gaskin. I like a lot of pieces of the offense. I don't love the offensive line, but I do love the defense. I think the defense is, is going to be probably in the top 10. Um, and I love Brian Flores, who I think is one of the best young coaches here in, in, pot of, uh, in, in football. Agreed. The secondary should continue to be elite. Uh, Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, but Xavier Howard also talks of kind of wanting out unless he gets a contract done. And, and now we're not hundred percent sure he led the NFL in interceptions last year. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm very skeptical that we're going to see Tua be the guy that we all kind of thought he might end up being. Um, I have the Miami dolphins going 10 and seven. I still have them winning double digit wins. I still have them being probably a fringe playoff team, but I don't think we see enough from Tua coming out of it to make us go, yep, Tua was the right call at six, especially when you're seeing Justin Herbert do what Justin Herbert has done. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I think that win total, um, I love it. I think they're right there. I think they're they're a double-digit team. They have enough pieces. I, I really do like this team. I love rooting for Tua. I'm left-handed. It's great to see a left-handed quarterback out there. It's just weird. You only see it in Madden when you create a player for me. And then I watch real football and it's like, why is he throwing with the other hand? So I just watch Steve Young highlights a bunch, but either way, uh, or Vic, it's elite. Um, I can't wait to hopefully see some more of that out of some highlight plays, but I just don't think, uh, I think they can do very well. Um, but I don't think they're going to take off by any means. Yeah. 10 and seven that, they're the second best team in that division. So they should play like it and, uh, you know, favorable heart of the schedule uh, after Tampa, they've got Jacksonville, Atlanta, Houston. Um, they got the jets twice. Of course they play the giants. Uh, so favorable heart of the schedule for them. I just think you, you take care of business and hope you, you mess around and win one of those games against Buffalo or, uh, or uh, the game against Tennessee or New Orleans, something like that. Um, but uh, 10 and 7, I think they're a fringe playoff team. All right. I think we're all on the same page there. Let's move to the New England Patriots. Uh, a, a very interesting team in the sense that the greatest coach of all time is still the head coach there. But the roster he's working with and the underperforming we'll put roster from last year uh still primarily intact but they brought in a lot of guys in this offseason uh, a lot of players we uh, we know what they did tight end with johnny smith and hunter henry uh we know what they did the linebacker position we know what they did honestly with all of their past catchers uh bringing in nelson aguilar kendrick Bourne, marvin hall um and they're also getting back from COVID opt-outs, Dante, uh, Dante Hightower, who is one mm-hmm. of the best linebackers and defensive players in all of football, um, Matthew Judon, and they also brought in um, the defensive line, uh, Kyle Van Noy, who was there as well. They draft Christian Barmore, Ronnie Perkins, uh, both of which I like a lot. I liked their draft a whole lot. Uh, Trent Brown, who forced his way out of Las Vegas, is now in New England to be the starting left tackle. And what happens with Stephon Gilmore? Uh, he's been at camp, but, you know, 2019 Defensive Player of the Year. And he's been 
kind of MIA, had a down year last year. Was that because of his disinterest in playing and disinterest in being Stefan Gilmore or had it more to do with, you know, maybe something bigger? Does he want out of New England? I, the burning question I have with New England is centered around Bill Belichick, which is that we have never seen Bill Belichick have more than one mediocre season ever. And so my question to you both is, is this a year where we see back-to-back rough seasons for Bill Belichick for legitimately the first time since he was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns? I think so, but I think it's in a different context. I think the perception is going to be it's still a down year compared to Brady expectations. But well, not Brady expectations, is, just like even just like playoffs, double-digit wins, like that kind of I think that. I think they'll have double-digit wins and they might miss the playoffs, um, depending on what they do at quarterback. But I think that they're going to – I love what the pieces they've added. I think the defense will get better. I think Hightower is massive to what they want to do defensively. Um, and the amount of area he covers and how hard he plugs holes, it's, it's just – he's a difference maker at the linebacker position. Him back is going to make a world of a difference. I think that – what we're going to end up seeing is a team that's slowly progressing, right? We had this, this level automatically bump up. It's almost like a, a curve of a test. Like when, when it's just like just giant right now, it's massive because Brady, now that he's gone, everyone's expecting so much still. And I think everyone's starting to kind of realize like, all right, we got to take it back down a notch. When Belichick started the Browns, they had a couple seasons. They ramped up slowly. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't all for one. Their first winning season was, like, his third year or fourth year, maybe third. But, like, he ended up making that team better slowly and surely, and I think he's going to make this team better again. But it's going to take a bit. And and to me, it, it's not about him. It's about what they do at quarterback. Yeah, and it, so the offense is going to look a lot different depending on who's under center. Um but, you know, there's going to be a lot of different offensive schemes you see, especially having signed those two tight ends, Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. You're going to see a lot of 12, a lot of 22 personnel, um, which is one running back, two tight ends, two running backs, two tight ends, for those of you who don't uh, know already. But um, it, there are going to be some interesting looks. I think a big question is when you're going to see Mac Jones. We've said it before with, with other quarterbacks like, like Justin Fields, like Trey Lance. Um, and it's really anyone's guess, honestly. I mean, I can see the Patriots bringing him in relatively early. They could get off to a slow start and be one in three after they play Tampa Bay and then bring in Mac Jones in week five against Houston. Um, but in any case, the offense is going to look different whether you have Mac Jones or Cam Newton out there. I just... It, it's weird too, you know, as we're we're preparing for for these two podcasts, go, scrolling through the the schedules of each team, and I'm so used to just seeing that logo, that Patriots logo, and be like, oh, tough game, and then obviously you have to kind of reset in your brain when you're doing this, and you're like, well, maybe, maybe not. I think they're better. They're better defensively, and um, um, for all the all the points that you guys alluded to, but. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I just, I think it's another, uh, another step in the rebuild as Vito said. It will be very interesting to see. Uh, I did kind of bury the lead because I do think first and foremost, um, the quarterback position is the most important here when we're talking about the new England Patriots, but, um, 
you know, we'll see. And as we're speaking, they're kicking off literally uh, right now against the Philadelphia Eagles for preseason Let's go. Um, <laughs> I have the Patriots going nine and eight because I think no matter what happens, like you said, Scott, like we're so accustomed to it being, um, you know, oh, you got to watch out. You know, it's a tough game against Bill Belichick. It is. Anytime you're scheming an offense against Bill Belichick, it's going to be a hard game. There's, there's just no other way to put it, regardless of the roster. And the roster, when you, can, when you include the guys coming back off the cove, off of like not playing from COVID, plus the guys who they went out and got in free agency, that $126 million or whatever they spent in free agency this yeah. offseason. Um, in one day. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think there's no way to not be afraid of New England. But I also think there's a lot of holes in this roster. And as much as I like Cam Newton, I think Cam Newton struggles. And I think we see Mac Jones in the back half. And I think Mac Jones will ultimately be the sign of hope uh, for the rest of the season. And I like, uh, I think New England goes nine and eight. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's where I'm at, nine and eight. And I think they missed the playoffs again. Nine and eight and missing the playoffs. Vito, what about yourself? I think 10 and seven. I'm going to go 10 and seven and say that they missed the playoffs as well. I think the AFC is going to have some tough teams in it, but I think they're in the discussion. All right. Uh, last team here in the AFC East, the New York Jets and their brand new shiny toy in Zach Wilson. And that's where my question is centered. Going back to the quarterback. Well, uh, very question. Very, very simple. Will Zach Wilson survive this season or will the will will New York swallow him whole? Because as much as I, I like what I've seen from Zach Wilson and the talent that's there. Playing in New York is a whole nother animal. And talk about culture shock going from Utah and a Mormon college to New York City and the New York Jets is as drastic of a 180 as we've arguably ever seen. Like we thought it was bad when Tim Tebow went to the Jets. What the hell is it going to look like when Zach Wilson at 22 goes to the Jets? It looks like that SAT prep. I don't know if you guys saw that meme. It's like it's it's him signing his contract and he's looking up smiling as he's signing. And it's yeah. just like someone like put on top of it. Sign up for our SAT prep class today. And it was like the perfect fucking model for it. it he looks like a kid still. And uh, he is he's 22. So um, it's a little weird to see. Like, I, I think it's also the age we're getting to where now these guys are younger than us. And you're like, whoa, you're like young, dude. What's yeah. up? Um but I do think it's hard to see a guy like that coming into the New York media. But luckily, I mean, you can remove yourself from it as much as you want to. I think in today's age, there's a point where you can't. But like he's practiced, like their games are in New Jersey. He can kind of get out of the city, but where else are you going to live, right? You're quarterback of the Jets. You're probably downtown. I don't know where he lives or anything like that. But the point is, Jeff, I think the media is going to definitely have an impact on the pressure on just the Jets fans and how like every year, even if they draft a quarterback, cause they've drafted a lot of quarterbacks high up and they haven't worked. So now they're even have more of a short fuse of like, Oh, here we fucking go again. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's going to be a lot of pressure to perform at least come out and perform well, not Herbert level, but if he doesn't, I'll say this, like if he doesn't show any kind of um, explosion, he can throw a lot of picks, but if he doesn't throw like a lot of touchdowns, have a lot of yards, I bet you he, get swallowed whole. Yeah. It, I've heard a lot of Jets fans say that they would have preferred an offensive lineman, which sounds crazy, but also like how many times have we seen the Jets turn out 
first round top five pick even quarterbacks um and then here we are what some 15 odd years later uh talking about the uh the butt fumble still from from uh, mark sanchez so i get it if you're a jets fan but like some of the media attention might get a little distracted too by the fact that they have a new head coach uh in robert Sala. Yeah. um so and you know, I, I, while the spotlight is on you, uh, it's it's tough not to uh, to try to avoid the glare uh, of New York, bright lights, big city. Um, but I, Zach Wilson has so much talent in that arm. Um, I think it, it'll he'll be hard pressed not to to impress, um, at least from a skill level. Uh, maybe not in the win loss column, but impress the the fans and, and the franchise with the, with the talent that he's bringing to the table. I agree. I think, I think we see enough from Zach Wilson that we, you know, we get excited about him. Um, but I don't think we see much more after that. And I think that has more to the roster losing Carl Lawson sucks. They do have some skill position guys that I'm, I, I like, but you know, whether it's Tevin Coleman, Corey Davis, uh, you know, they still have Jameson Crowder there, but I, I just think this is a team that's kind of destined to, to toil and, and continuous mediocrity. So I have the Jets going five and 12. Uh, I think Zach Wilson has some stunning highlight level throws and plays that get us all excited, but I think the roster has a long way to go. And I think Robert Sala is the guy to, uh, you know, kind of get excited about, but ultimately, you know, this, this roster is a long way from competing. I agree a hundred percent. The funniest thing I'm like laughing myself. Cause when you said five and 12, I'm like, it's pretty good for the jets. You know what I mean? Like that's what went in my, that's the first thing that popped in my head. I'm like, that's kind of mean, but either way, I agree. I, I think right there, five and 12. And I do think that uh, they're going to get excited. Yeah. Um, Sal is the guy. I agree. Um, I miss him dearly already. And we haven't even played a game without him. Um, but I, I, I they do have a long way to go. The good news, if you're a Jets fan, is that Salah is already attracting some close to big name free agents like Corey Davis. So um, that's good news moving forward. If you can win a couple more games each year and, and start attracting some bigger names, then like um, you're in good shape. Um, six and 11. And uh, even then, a, a good point by Vito at yes, uh, what a great year for the New York. Jets. Yeah, that's the Jets. Uh, you guys probably like, why does Jeff look like he's like mid orgasm with his face? Um, Jalen Hurts not starting tonight for the Eagles. Joe Flacco, no Jalen Hurts. That's a weird call. Really pissed. But Devontae Smith is on the field. So take it or leave it, I guess. All right, quick break. Come back. We're going to talk to the AFC South, wrap this some bitch up, and uh, get you on your way to the weekend. Time to turn our attention to the final team of the, or division, I should say, of the AFC. That is the AFC South. Uh, the team I think we kind of have to start with because it feels as though this is a one-team division is the Tennessee Titans. Uh, a remarkable season last year, one of the most dynamic offenses in the NFL. Uh, it went 11-5, and five, but that defense was horrific. Uh, what to expect out of Ryan Tannehill. Again, I think we kind of know who Tannehill is. He's a great athlete, pretty good quarterback, probably top 12-ish in the NFL, somewhere in that ballpark. 
with an absolutely bolstered skill group behind him with Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown. But you couple in the addition of one Julio Jones, arguably the best wide receiver of the last decade. Questions about this team aren't about the offense. So the burning question isn't going to be about the offense. The, the burning question is, can this defense stop anybody? Can they be any better than they were in 2020? Because they were horrifically bad in 2020. And they lost their offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, who's now the head coach of the Falcons. But I'm looking at this defense and saying, with the skill guys they have, I could be calling plays for the Titans, and I think they'd be fine. The defense, however, that's going to be a whole nother story. So will this defense be any better in 2021 than they were in 2020? Yeah, I'm worried about depth, though. I think, you know, they added Bud Dupree and Janoris Jenkins, uh, which were huge ads. But um, I don't know. The depth is, is still kind of lacking. I'm, I'm thinking Bud Dupree makes a run for NFL Defensive Player of the Year. I think he came over. And I'm very, very, very excited to see what the coaching staff does with him in this defense. I'm ecstatic about his future. Um, I I cannot wait to see what happens there. So I think they get better in some categories, worse than others. They were great last year. They were elite. So I think you're right. Like to sustain that is even great. You have to get better to stay at the same level almost, right, in the NFL. And they will improve and stay, I think, where they were last year. My biggest fear is that I don't know what they did in the offseason to make me believe that the defense is going to be any better. Um, the biggest hope, the biggest sign of hope, there's two of them. Uh, Kevin Byard, who is one of their safeties, was one of the best safeties in uh, 2017. He was an all-pro in 2017. Has, has not really been that guy since. And the other hope is Jeffrey Simmons. You know, he's a first-round draft pick out of uh, Mississippi State. Um, or, no, sorry, Texas A&M had a decent cut first couple of years, but you know, they drafted him high in the first round to be a Fletcher Cox, to be uh, a Derek Brown, you know, he and Derek Brown, both are kind of on the hot seat right now. Like, can you be this guy that we thought you were going to be? Sometimes with D tackles, it takes a little bit because your body is still developing at 24, 23. And especially for D tackles, it takes a little bit to kind of develop that mass, that extra size that makes you a pure run stuffer. The same thing happened with Fletcher Cox. Uh, Same thing happened with Aaron Donald. So we'll see how those two guys do as interior defensive linemen. But I think regardless of the defense, I do think Tennessee's offense will win them a lot of games. I think because of how weak their division is as a whole, playing Jacksonville, who will be frisky to an extent, uh, and the Texans, who should be the worst team in the NFL this year, the Colts without Carson Wentz, I mean, what Sam Ellinger scare you at all? I mean, they are in the worst division in football right now. And I don't think it's close. I have Tennessee going 12 and five winning the division by a good margin. Yeah. 12 and five. Yep. That's exactly where I'm at. Uh, win the division, I think probably by two games. Um, the, the only reason I don't have them improving really in record is Six of their first 12 games, uh, they're playing were playoff teams last year. Uh, and it's a it's an insane five-week stretch they have in the heart of the season um, from, like, the middle of October through Thanksgiving. And it's um, Buffalo uh, on Monday Night Football. Then they got Kansas City. They got at, at the Colts, which is always a tough game. Uh, 
at the Rams, and then and then they got the Saints five weeks in a row, back to back to back to back to back to back. Uh, so that's that's the only reason I, I don't have them at thirteen and four or, or anything like that. So twelve and five, win the division. Yeah, I'm gonna go with actually uh, 11, 11 wins, eleven and six, and the reason why is because I think we always talk about it, but Derrick Henry down the stretch is where it matters, and they end up winning a lot of late games, but. I also always remember them kind of losing some throughout the regular season. You're like, whoa, what? How'd they lose that? Are they declining? What's going on in Tennessee? And then all of a sudden it's like five out of six wins. Derrick Henry ends up rushing for like a fat, like, you know, 1200 yards in those games and they make the playoffs and are on a roll. So I'm going with winning the division, but just uh, at 11 wins. 11 wins. All right. Uh, up next, the Indianapolis Colts. Um, Honestly, for the last three teams here, they're all the questions are, are centered around the quarterback. And this one just being, what do we make of Carson Wentz? Uh, he's got this foot surgery. They say he's on track to start week one. Given his history, I know it very well. I have very little faith that this that he's going to end up starting the 70% of games that the Eagles need him to, to start uh, or the 70% of snaps that they need him to play uh, in order to get that first round draft pick. I am not very high on the Colts. Um, I'm high on Frank Reich and I'm high on a certain amount of guys, but I don't love the skill position guys. I mean, I love Jonathan Taylor. And other than that, I mean, I like Michael Pittman. I don't, I don't like anybody else. T.Y. has not been T.Y. for a long time. And I know they brought him back, but it's been two full seasons without us seeing T.Y. Hilton being the guy. So, um, I, honestly, I, I have them going like nine and eight. Best case scenario. Um, best, well, I'll say this. Best case scenario, 10 wins if Carson Wentz is healthy and he somehow reverts back to the version he was a couple of years ago. Yeah, that, that's my big question is what Carson Wentz do you get? Because as you know, Jeff, there's a huge gap between healthy Carson Wentz and banged up Carson Wentz. When he's healthy, he at times looks like an elite quarterback. When he's banged up, it's like Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, he looks just terrible. Forces stuff, doesn't look like he belongs on an NFL field sometimes. Um so what Carson Wentz are we going to get? That running back room is sick now. With Marlon Mack coming back from an Achilles injury, you get a real solid three-headed monster headed by Jonathan Taylor who can do a lot of things for you on the football field. Uh, that defense is still, I think, pretty good. Um, they brought back a lot of guys. They drafted uh, Quiddy Pay, who I've talked about before. I, I love the kid, love his story, love him on the football field. Uh, and I think he's got the, the skills to be an elite pass rusher in the NFL. Um, it looks like a fairly easy schedule for them on the whole. They got a late bye week 14. Um, but of their first 13 games before the bye, eight of them are against playoff teams from last year, including the first four that they play. Um, lucky for them, they're done with the Titans before December. They don't get uh, uh, wintertime Derrick Henry. So I, I'll go 10 and 7 with them. I think for me, what, what it comes down to is, do I believe in this Carson Wentz more than last year's Phillip Rivers? Like, I don't know. I really don't. I, I think it's pretty close to my mind, but I'm leaning towards Wentz actually and rebounding. And I think they're going to have a pretty decent year, but I think a decent year 
is like nine, nine and eight. Yeah. I mean, like that's a 500 I, team is good. A winning record is good in the NFL. So I think they, they show some improvements, especially with yeah. that defense. I mean, Carson, if he's healthy, will show flashes of being great. He'll show flashes of, of, of making spectacular plays. And then Colts fans will go, why aren't you doing this every time? Why can't you do this consistently? And he'll get frustrated <laughs> and then he'll get hurt or he'll get a concussion or he'll get something. And then we'll all go. Yeah. Well, I guess that's just what Carson Wentz yeah. does. And then his backup comes in and wins the Super Bowl. As someone who statue. <laughs> the Sam Ellinger statue is currently under construction outside of uh, Luke oil stadium. Um, all right. Two teams left. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're next on the list because of one guy, Trevor Lawrence. So for us, I need to see, and this is kind of where the question's rooted in, the burning question for the Jags. Do we see enough out of him to not necessarily justify the overhyping that we had about Trevor Lawrence, but is there enough around him that make us go, it's there? You know, that we see it, that's go, all right, I'm confident that within the next two years, Trevor Lawrence will be one of the best five quarterbacks in the NFL. Like we've kind of anointed him as such. Yeah. I mean, you're right before he's played a snap in the NFL too. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know. I, I think with rookie quarterbacks, you take a second. Will he even have as good of a season statistically as Herbert? Probably not, but will he show the flashes and will he ha pass the eye test? I think so. I think he'll show like he'll, he'll have rookie mistakes here and there, but I think he'll show a lot of maturity and all of the, the skill sets that you want in a long-term franchise quarterback. I, he, he does have the intangibles, I think. Um, and I think he ended up with, um, with a really good coach to, to groom him. I just, it's all a big question mark for me. That defense was horrific last year. For all the, the if you look up and down the, the names on the defense at once, they had a horrific unit last year. Uh, so, I mean, under Urban, I'd look for a bounce back here from his defense. He prides himself on having a, a, an elite defense. Um, I just don't know what you're getting with Trevor Lawrence and ETN in their rookie years. And what do you do with James Robinson, who had a great year last year and is now all of a sudden probably second fiddle to a rookie? Uh, I just – I don't know. It That was my first note about Jacksonville was they're just a huge – Huge question mark. Um, they could play spoiler a little bit in the NFC West. They play LA and Seattle on the road early in the season and San Francisco and Arizona at home. So uh, they could, uh, they could make a little uh, throw a little wrench into that division race, but uh, I just don't know. Big, big question marks. Yeah. I, uh, I don't really know what else to say. You know, what do you have now? Um, I have the Jaguars going seven and 10. Um, I, I think they do enough. I mean, look, I'm excited to see what Urban Meyer brings. I'm excited to see what Trevor Lawrence does. I'm excited by some of the skilled position guys. And I think as to Scotty's point, I think they have a lot of new faces on the defense that give you hope, but they're still not going to be a highly competitive team. Uh, I, I would say somewhere between six and seven wins, maybe that six and a half mark is probably where I would put Jacksonville, but also it's a massive question mark as to what Urban Meyer is as a head coach in the NFL. So I have them optimistically at seven and 10 because I'm a Trevor Lawrence believer. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, 
six and 11, but I'm also a Trevor Lawrence believer. I, I just think you're right. The team's not strong enough yet. And that's what we'll see. I think he'll actually have like a come from behind fourth quarter win. It'll be cool, but they're not there yet. No, I, I, I say six and 11 too, but I put a bunch of question marks by it just because I know how Urban Meyer coaches teams up and maybe this is next year, but that six and 11 this year could easily be 11 and six in that division. I don't, I just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I just, I see somewhere between seven and eight wins uh, or six and eight wins. I I just, I don't, I don't see it any higher than that. And I'm just excited to watch uh, Urban Meyer. Um, All right. Last team, the Houston Texans. I don't want to dive into the, you know, the Deshaun Watson thing is that has continued to go. We don't have all the information with all of the numbers, whatever's true. The FBI is involved now, whatever's true. If it is true is despicable and horrific. And uh, people much smarter than us can talk about it. So we're just here to talk about the football team. Um, I guess I wouldn't call it that. (laughs) Yeah. At this point, I don't really have a question about them other than how bad can they be? I mean, are they an Owen six? Are they an Owen 17 team? Are they, uh, are they, I mean, I like Tarod. I hope Tarod Taylor. I mean, talk about a dude who has just been screwed over at every turn, but I don't think we see Deshaun Watson on a football field this season. And without that, I mean, this team's going to be bad, really bad. Yeah. 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 I, I'm with you. I, Tarod, by the way, early in the pod, we mentioned when the Browns tied that first game, he was their quarterback. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it was, the, it, it was the year where they had all the beer locked up. Yeah. And there was and a way you knots. win. And it was like, oh, shit. They didn't win. They tied. And everyone's like, do they open it? No, they didn't yeah. open it. But that was when they um, had hard knocks, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I, I believe in him. I believe in a lot of the players, but this is a team that I think could have like one to two wins, which is very, very, very bad. Yeah, especially in that division. I have two notes that I wrote down. All the notes that I wrote down this entire podcast, I have two notes on the Houston Texans. The first one is train wreck. (laughs) The second is the offense might be mediocre to good for fantasy. If Watson plays, um, their offensive line is a little better than I think people think it is. Lindsay might have a decent campaign, and Brandon Cooks had a good year last year. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, but they got they got Mark Davis Ingram Mills? too. They have. Uh, Do we get a little have... little Davis Mills action? Rookie quarterback hey, out of Stanford. Dude, you might as well. I mean, even with Watson, and I've got him at three and fourteen. <laughs> like, I have them at two and fifteen. <laughs> I think they're the worst team in the NFL. And... Wow, I'm high on them compared to you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's true. All right. Well. If you guys have anything else you want to add? No, it's just starting to become real, man. Um, we're in week two of the preseason, and uh, and efforts are ramping up for fantasy leagues, and I've been just crunching fantasy podcasts. Matthew Barry is a legend, Field Yates, Stefania Bell, of course, the incomparable, uh, among others, you know. It is a great uh, podcast that for, I've been, fantasy, for yeah, fantasy. Fantasy stuff. focus. It's, it's as, as, um, as good as I can recommend. Yeah, you know, but, you uh, just go ahead, Scotty. No, just crunching fantasy football stuff, and just I today I had a moment where I was like, "Ooh, it's coming!" <laughs> it's it's almost here. Vito, you got anything else you want to add? 
Uh, only thing is that uh, watch out for the Broncos this year. I'm really excited about this AFC and the picture in the West. And weapons are in the AFC. They're everywhere. Look yes. for just scoring and scoring and scoring in a 17-game season. I think it's finally coming upon us where it's like preseason is a little shorter. And so it's like, oh, we got to remember that. Like preseason week two, we're, we're halfway there. We're like, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Out of the week. It's crazy to think about. So it's right around the corner and we can't wait. Yep, we're going to break record numbers of games played this year. That's what we're going to do. And all of the stats are going to be thrown off. Like throwing for 5,000 yards isn't going to want to meet, is not going to mean what it used to mean. So uh, it's going to be interesting to say, I will throw in this. The Jalen Hurts uh, absence is not COVID related. Don't really know what else to say there. He was dancing before the game, balling out with his players, and then last minute decided he was too sick to go out and play. So uh, he is too sick. There will be stories to come, but I will say this Eagles fans are not going to be happy. They're not going to be happy. Even if it's preseason, people are not going to be happy. Wait a Uh, second. Wait, whoa, whoa. the Eagles fans, they're not going to be happy. I know. No way. It seems on, it seems out of character (laughs) for them, but I I don't think they'll be too happy. Uh, Next week we will be diving into college football. We're going to give our our college football preview shows just like we did this. We're going to break up our conferences. We're going to go through everything um, and get you ready for college football because that, believe it or not, is less than two weeks away. Less than two full weeks until we have week zero and college football will officially be back. So get ready. College football is here. Scotty Vito, thank you boys for hopping on. That's all we got for this week. Have a wonderful weekend. We will talk to you all on Tuesday. Go do something you've never done before. I don't know what it is. Just try something new and we'll talk to you all then. Take it easy, everybody.